And welcome back to another episode of the Media Boat Podcast, your weekly news episodes and segments on movies, TV, music, and video games, not necessarily in that order. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. We're both happy to be back in person, fully recovered, ready to go, uh, ready to podcast for you. As he mentioned, this is the Media Boat Podcast. Today is May the 27th. Can you believe it? 2023. Uh, We are entering summer. It is Memorial Day weekend here in the U.S. Uh, Get your grills of flaming and get ready to grill some delicious meats and or vegetables. And make sure you should have already picked up your meats and or vegetables because otherwise you're going to a store this week. Slim pickings. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't even bother going to the grocery store. Don't go. Don't go into the meat section. You're gonna and don't go chasing waterfalls. And yeah, I'll, I'll just don't take any wooden nickels. You know the drill. Um, so yeah, thanks for joining us. Yes, for... and don't you forget about me. <laughs> don't you? Uh, so yeah, thanks for joining us for another in person uh, finally uh, show. We had some uh, health issues that we got through, but we're out on the other side of it. We're good. We're better. We're we're ready to run. We had health issues, but we still had episodes put out. So yeah. hey. Keep it rolling. The streak continues. The Media Boat Podcast never stops. Even Uh, if we should. (laughs) Never stops. All right, so let's just get rolling right into it. Uh, Yeah, this is episode 385. Yes. This is our last episode of May. Then we get into summer. Yeah. Podcast like it's 385. The dog days of summer. Yep. Uh, So, we'll begin, as we always do, with the music section. Yes. We start the music with the billboard. We start the billboard with the Hot 100. And, once again, your hottest song of the week is Last Night by Morgan Wallen. Sorry, I had to barf into a bucket for a second. Uh, at number two, All My Life. I've been searching for something, something. To no, work. no. Different okay, different life. song. Okay, All My Life by Lil Durk. And we'll talk about a Foo Fighters Featuring J. Cole, yes. Foo Fighters next week. Uh, you getting good reviews on that. Yeah, Pre-reviews. I read a really positive, positive review. I was like, all right, all right, Dave, all right. Down. Uh, at number three, Flowers by Miley Cyrus. Still there. At four, Kill Bill by SZA. Still there. And rounding out your top five, Ella by Sola by Esteban Armando Cross Peso Pluma. Glad that you read these. <laughs> I had butchered that. Um, yeah, so pretty much the same, uh, just a little bit of a scramble around uh, All my life from last entered. week. Yep. Uh, as for your album chart, your Billboard 200. At number one, one Thing at a Time by Morgan Wallen. At number two, Midnight's by Taylor Swift. Still getting that tour bump. At three, The Album by Jonas Brothers. Yeah, you know, that one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, at four, Richest Up by Young Boy, Never Broke Again. Never. Or as it goes on tour, Young Boy. <laughs> and ready at your top five, S.O.S. by SZA. Still there. If you didn't like any of those albums. Well, get ready. Strap in because there are a billion new releases this week. We have new releases because uh, it's going to be June. Yeah, everybody decided, okay, summer, let's put out our record. And they decide summer begins in June. Yeah, so. they decided that. Unlike the movie season where summer begins in May. Yeah, unofficial. Yes. Uh, we have new releases starting with Life Is But A Dream. Well, that's what the dots are. The dots are the by Avenged Sevenfold. Yeah, I feel like their version does not sound like that. Yeah, so it'd be dun 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 dun. All right. We also have Bunny 
by Beach Fossils. Been a while since I've heard that name. Bunny? No, Beach Fossils. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like a mostly a twenty early twenty tens kind of kind of band. Uh, there's also What Matters Most by Ben Folds. Yeah, that Ben Folds. Uh, lucky for you by Bully. It is. Uh, I'm excited for a new Bully record, so it is lucky for me. Uh, Such Ferocious Beauty by Cowboy Junkies. It's a great name. <laughs> it's a good name. <laughs> uh, but here we are yeah. by the Foo Fighters. As you mentioned, uh, getting some early good buzz. And so, yeah, excited to hear what that whole thing sounds like. We'll definitely, good. Yeah, we'll definitely Singles be checking good. that out next yeah. week. Uh, we'll have our full thoughts on it yes. next week. Uh, In Between Dub by Jack Johnson. Yes, that Jack Johnson. You know, the banana pancakes guy. Yep. Uh, Colleges all around the world are now (laughs) throwing their hacky sacks in the air. Yeah, that guy with (laughs) his acoustic, that brings out the acoustic guitar at parties is jazzed about this. Yes. There's also Orpheus Descending by John Mellencamp. Yeah. That John John Cougar Mellencamp. No, he hasn't been Cougar for a very long time. Okay. John Puma Mellencamp. (laughs) No? No. John Link's Mellencamp. Okay. And go through all of the mountain cats, you know. <laughs> Be here all day. Uh, there's also uh, Council Skies by Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds. Yep. Uh, and then Formal Growth in the Desert by Proto Martyr. Yep. Uh, pretty sure I said that right. Proto Martyr. Yeah, you got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also have Tomorrow Never Comes by Rancid. Yes, yes that, that Rancid. <laughs> Uh, Folk Boy Crazy. is a time bomb, from yes. what I understand. Folk Crazy <laughs> by Rufus Wainwright. Thanks. Folkcracy? Like democracy? Democracy. Folk, folk crazy? crazy? It's not a great... Not a great term. Folkcracy? Folk, whoa. Hmm. Folk... 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 By Tanya Tucker. Yes, that Tanya Tucker. And that Western sound. Yep. So yeah, uh, I'm sure there's something for everybody at this point. Oh, there's a lot of stuff. If you find something you liked in there, then uh, you might not like music. (laughs) See, hate to break it to you. All these (laughs) all these releases are just for something. Yeah, exactly. Something's gonna come along and get you thumping. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Something something a thumping a thumping. (laughs) Something's going wrong with me. Speaking of going wrong, mm. we're talking about Celine Dion. Ah, uh, yeah. And she has unfortunately had to cancel all of her 2023 and 2024 dates on her, ironically now named, mm. Courage World Tour. I Do think you... the courage to know when she had to stop. Yes. There's that. Yeah. Uh, she's had to cancel due to her ongoing struggle with a rare neurological disorder called stiff person syndrome. Mm. The dates had been rescheduled from 2022 already. Uh, Quote, it is with tremendous disappointment that we have to announce today the cancellation of the Courage World Tour. I am so sorry to disappoint all of you once again. I'm working really hard to build back my strength, but touring can be difficult even when you're 100%. It's not fair to you to keep postponing the shows. And even though it breaks my heart, it's best that we cancel everything now until I'm ready to be back on stage again. I want you all to know I'm not giving up. And I can't wait to see you again. 
sine Celine XX. Uh, close quote. Yeah. Uh, that was from her uh, social media post on Friday. Tickets purchased for the 42 canceled dates will be refunded via the original point of sales. For further ticket inquiries or options, please see below. <laughs> no. Okay. Reach out to where you bought it. But yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not super surprised by this. Uh, it's a very rare diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not so, It's not something that I think that currently has a cure. And so she probably just got the news from her doctor. Is like, no, you, you can't do this. You're just not going to be able to in the way that you want to do it. And so she just faced the realization that, well, there's no way that this tour can happen anymore. So I'm kind of curious if this is more of a tour issue or more of a singing issue. Because if we remember, she had the residency at Caesars in Vegas for the longest time. And she probably could still go back and do that. Well, I think that, no, I don't think so. Because I think what's the thing that changed is that the diagnosis happened. I think that it's a relatively recent diagnosis, and they didn't necessarily understand what it was going to mean for her. Now they do. Is that's how I'm reading this? And so I think that she's just probably just not going to perform for a while. Well, because I'm reading it as she can't do the up around, move around every I mean, night. I don't think to she, a different town, different city. I don't think she on a world do tour it at all, though. It's, so, well, because it's different between a current world yeah. tour. There's a difference, going on stage. Like, so sure I think that... we should have bring in our resident doctor <laughs> and get an official diagnosis. Okay. It seems very akin to like Alan Jackson. Okay. So like different. Well, he had Shark Marie Tooth. Sharko Marie, yeah. But that's like a neurodegenerative thing, and he thought he could finish his tour, and we were very lucky to see him when he did. But you could tell he wasn't moving well. He was in a lot of pain. He sounded mm. great, and I'm like, that's probably his last. Yeah. To her. Yeah. And I think it's similar for her where all of a sudden she's realizing, like, because Matt's right, there's no cure. Yeah. Um, so, I think it, could ways she you can... sing? Probably, but it's more about the performance. It depends. Okay. I mean, I don't know what her. Main... It's such a rare thing. Main... We don't know. I was going to say, and I don't know what her main, like, impairments are. Like, yeah. there could be limitations. In the musculature, you need to be able to sing, and with her being such a boisterous voice, mm-hmm. it takes a lot out of you. I so would assume like, that until the travel is really grueling. Well, that's why I say, like the, with the travel, yes, it's going to be really grueling. That's why they're canceling the world tour. What I'm saying is, if she goes back to a Vegas residency, I doubt it. Is what I I'm saying. It sounds like she sounds like she's taking a break until she break. Can, until she feels confident that she can do it the way that she wants to. Okay. And I mean, there could be a point when she realizes that's not feasible. It's either. it's in the realm of possibility. I think we just don't know a whole lot right now, and um, it's best just to assume that she should take a break from everything for a while. All right. So next time we will see Celine Dion will probably be out on a Grammy stage doing a single performance. Maybe, and that's probably years. Yeah. I wouldn't guess that that's happening anytime soon. And I don't know how, like, is this, because you're right, it's very rare. Like, yeah, we don't I, know a lot. I've never had a patient with it. Like, I had to, I was like, is that a made-up? Honestly, when I It's not a great it, name. It's, it's stiff person I, syndrome? No. When I read no. it, I was like, is it like ankylosing spondylitis? Like, I was like, is there some other, is yeah. it like What is the Latin root of this? <laughs> So this, this I, the girl. name is interesting, but it's very it's very rare. And so yeah. it's like we don't really know 
what it's doing for I her. think the doctors are learning it alongside Celine mm -hmm. and the rest of us. I think we're, we're it's, they're figuring it, out, figuring it out. And if this brings more awareness to the syndrome. Oh, it will, certainly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just, what, regardless of whether what they told her to do, I think it's probably best that she just doesn't perform at all for a while until they figure as, it out. As sad as that is. Yeah, mm -hmm. as disappointing as that is. That's I think that, so to answer the question, I don't think that residency happens either. Oh. Sorry. Is this just based on you wanted to see Celine and now you're sad that you can't? Is this just where this is coming from? <laughs> yes, exactly. All right, well, you said it, not me. Because <laughs> you know I was going to. <laughs> of course, we had to. Yes. But yeah, it's, I think right. she'll just have to, you know, it, I think it's new to her, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. New to everybody. She's I mean, she gets all through well. this year and next year. Right. So, so not anytime soon no, this is going but, to change. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, by the time she does, if she does, uh, come back like twenty, late twenty four, twenty five. Maybe we'll maybe see. Twenty six. Oh god, it's three years away. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, who knows? Uh, but yeah, um, done touring. So uh, yeah, obviously you know we hope that um, they figure stuff out and hope she's feeling better soon and that that she's able to get that tour that she wants to do someday and get treatment to yeah. help uh, with the syndrome and we learn more about it hopefully and and mm -hmm. be able to kind of nail down exactly what what to expect exactly all right cool let's move on to something completely different yeah speaking of things being removed and <laughs> not being removed in response to public and political pressure. <laughs> Because you know that's what it is. Sure. The Ford Motor Company <laughs> has announced that it will keep installing <laughs> ham radios. No, AM radios. Oh, sorry. Drop the H. AM radios in new vehicles after all. <laughs> Previously, the manufacturer had been on records as saying there was no compelling need to maintain the AM band in any of its forthcoming models. A stance that other car makers had taken with electric cars but not extended as a policy to all vehicles that had made ford particularly a target and growing controversy amid growing controversy over the increasing move to eliminate am and new congressional legislation designated to make it mandatory in all new models jim farley ford's ceo announced the re reversal in a social media statement stating quote after speaking with policy leaders about the importance of am broadcast radio as a part of the emergency alert system we've decided to include it on all 2024 vehicles this is your ford ceo voice yes okay yes this is my i make 60 billion dollars Ooh, I'm better than I'm AM better than radio. I'm better than AM radio, yes. <laughs> For any owners of Ford EVs without AM broadcast capability, we'll offer a software update. Software? You're telling me this is a <laughs> software thing and not a hardware thing? Customers can currently listen to AM radio content in a variety of ways in our vehicles, <laughs> including via streaming. And we'll continue to innovate and deliver even better in-vehicle entertainment and emergency notification options in the future. <laughs> Thanks to our product development and manufacturing teams for their quick response to make this change for 
our customers. All right. So close quote. I have not been following the story very quick, very closely. All I know is that at like at at like. Although this goes like on the heels of like the Apple CarPlay and how um, they were going to take out um, all these features because one, hey, everyone has a phone, phones have Bluetooth, people are streaming stuff. Do we really need AM FM in these cars if everyone's just going to be using their phones? It's weird. It is a very weird thing to me on paper because like my first immediate reaction is like sports people. Yes. <laughs> Sports! <laughs> Talk shows. Talk when, radio. Yeah, NPR. Like, AM is far from being dead. Well, uh, we actually are, are, are lucky to have a um, an FM um, NPR uh, here in the LA area. But, um, but yeah, it just makes you wonder. It's like, what the hell? Like, people rely on AM for a, a handful of things. It just seems... And where do they listen to it? Only in their cars. Nobody is listening to AM radio in anything but their cars. Yes, you can stream AM broadcast, but why would you? Oh, see, I'm thinking about it from my post-apocalyptic standpoint, <laughs> where if you're going to try and reach people, you're not going to try and reach them through satellites and streaming. You're going to reach yeah. them through AM radio. <laughs> I've seen so many post-apocalyptic movies where they broadcast a signal, <laughs> wide-ranging, on AM, and yep. that's how they get their message across. Okay, does AM radio's quality suck? Yes. Absolutely, yes. Is, is it, it a meant pain? for quality? No. Is the pain in California where you're constantly going underneath bridges on the freeway? Absolutely. <laughs> is it meant for big city? No. no but it's meant for rural. But the it's fact meant for everywhere is, else. But the fact is, is that where it stands right now, there are still things that you need and only can get on AM radio. Mm -hmm. So as long as that's the case, it just seems weird to try to excise it when it doesn't save anybody anything. Like it doesn't save them money if it's, it's clearly if it's not a hardware thing, it's a software thing. It doesn't yep. save them much to not implement it. It's like what is what are we talking? Why get rid of it? Like unless there's something about the story that I don't know about, like I feel like I'm like because I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like I'm missing the reason why they would want to eliminate. Is it really money? I don't think it is. When is it not about the money? Yeah, All the money. Come on. It's just weird. It just seems weird to me. I, I want to be able to listen to the baseball game on my own. Also, it's weird that sometimes. like this is like civil for money and not like <laughs> starting a fire. <laughs> starting a fire with money. Maybe. Yes. Yeah, that's what it is. So yeah, I included it one because it was a slow music week beyond some of the deaths we'll talk about later, and two because it's just like baffling to me, just baffling. Like just leave it alone. Leave your AM radio alone. It's fine. It's not hurting anybody. Maybe well, it's, it's like when they took out the aux cord. Yeah. That used to be in cars in like the late 2000s. And then they replaced it with just Bluetooth. Yeah, that was a progression. I have a 2016 car. Take it on AM yeah. radio is a regression. Yeah, I have a 2016 car. It doesn't have Bluetooth, but it does have aux and mm -hmm. USB. And so like, I feel like it's like probably the last year of cars before that became, before that changed. And mm -hmm. like, that sucks. Like, Bluetooth is not a great technology. It's a pain to pair things to uh, to, to a phone. It's um, it's a big suck of battery. Um, there's a lot of reasons why it's not the best solution. So I don't know. I guess I... It's also not the best resolution either. You get yeah. some lot of degradation through Bluetooth. And yes, I realize that to maybe our younger audience, if that if they exist, we probably sound super old talking about AM radio, <laughs> why it needs to exist. But in this, I feel safe saying, like, it's not hurting anyone. So let's just might as well keep it. Um, this is very close to Old Man Yelled at Cloud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, but hey, we're not old. We're young. Also, RIP Radio Disney. Yes. 
Uh, but yeah, we're young. You know, we sure. still listen yeah. to the, the hip yeah. new music. Yeah, we're we're hip. We're yes. we're on top of things. We are. Um, we are up to date with Taylor Swift's dating life. We do not have time to open that can of worms. I have been holding my tongue the last couple of weeks. I could go off. You want to know? You want to open this? <laughs> oh, no. See, we have to talk about the um, not quite um, appropriately named <laughs> weekend version, the Till Dawn edition. All right. So here's the thing. I will be brief. I won't go do my full take on this. Would you like your soapbox? No, no. Maybe like maybe a very small one. Okay. <laughs> uh, what I'll say is, Taylor is a businessman. A businessman. <laughs> businesswoman. She's a business, comma man. Um, <laughs> well, no, she's got the song where she was the man. man. She was a man to be a man. Taylor is very savvy about her business, and she knows when she needs to put something out in order to change the conversation from being about something she doesn't want the conversation to be about. This is one of those times. The conversation kind of turned on her um, in the wake of everybody finding out about um, her very publicly uh, being seen with uh, Maddie Healy of the 1975, following in the wake of her breaking up with Joe Alwyn, her previous uh, boyfriend. So this is obviously a timing thing. She knew she had to do something, so she was like, oh, well... I had this in the tank. I, was, I wasn't sure when I was going to release this remix of Karma. I'll do it now. And so with that, she's also put out a couple of other tracks, including a version of Snow on the Beach with a different uh, record of Lana Del Rey, where she actually gets her own verse. Yes, a, sing, a new single verse of mm -hmm. Lana Del Rey. And then um, also a, um, a new track, an exclusive track to the CD version, and yeah, et cetera, et cetera. So another version of Midnight's came out this week. But yeah, I firmly believe this is to deflect um, where the fans were going with the conversation about her and Maddie Healy. Uh, don't forget that there's also a very limited time um, CD release. Yes, that's of what I was Midnight's. referring to with, with the special, special track. Yes, that's it. not the Till Dawn edition. Yeah, so I will be very brief about the Maddie Healy stuff. If you are not aware, here's the like here's the boilerplate, like simplest version of it. Matt Healy, singer from the 1975, a controversial person for a couple of things. Uh, one, he likes to, you know, push. He, he's an edgy kind of guy. Like the 1975 has often been his platform to make some weird statements. He hasn't necessarily been the most coherent and and uh, and uh, consistent guy uh, when he makes statements about things. The one specifically, uh, one thing that people are mostly upset about is that he was once on a podcast and was joking around with the guys on the podcast and made some off-color jokes about a couple of subjects that a lot of people would say are fairly serious, um, specifically about race. Um, kind of made a weird joke with the host about um, what kind of porn he likes to watch, uh, specifically involving the degradation and punishment of people of color. And he was clearly saying it as a joke. It was clearly like an ironic racism kind of thing. Uh, but he still said it, and it's still weird and gross and out of context. I think a lot of people came to it, heard the clip, and was like, what the hell is this guy talking about? And I don't blame anybody for having that reaction. Uh, but as a little piece of context, it seems like that's the vibe of that podcast mm -hmm. nothing i would ever want to listen to but i guess that's just those kind of that's the kind of thing that those hosts do 
ironic racism has been a problem in the comedy world especially the alt comedy world for decades at this point it's a trap that a lot of like people who are generally pretty lefty and generally pretty good about social stuff are still often find themselves falling into a lot and Matt Healy is a guy who's just already kind of you know taunts that controversy and walks that line and so he just fell into that pitfall here I don't necessarily think he's scot-free because of that. I still think that he should probably apologize uh, and he should probably be a little bit more upfront, but he just strikes me as the kind of guy who's not going to back down about that kind of thing and is just going to assume that everybody else is in on the joke like him. It's the way he's been about the 1975 stuff, so why stop now? The other half of this, so that's the, that's the, the situation. It's basically fans have found this out, listened to these clips, read some other comments that he's made in the past about his relationships uh, with, you know, like things like race, conversations about, um, uh, like, uh, and, and about that kind of thing and his stances politically and have been, been very criticized, like criticized Taylor for choosing to be seen with him in public and not say anything about it. Basically saying like, oh, well, the people you associate have a lot of say about your character and are basically writing off Taylor mm -hmm. as a as a role model in the same way as she was previously viewed and that's turned a lot of fans against her or at least encouraged a lot of fans to say she should speak up on this so that's the baseline here um the additional layer here is that taylor herself has made a very like clear uh clear uh, statement in say dear reader a bonus track on midnight itself saying that you shouldn't look up to her as this perfect paragon like don't get don't ask for a what's the line it's like don't ask advice for someone who's falling apart it's just like I was like don't be your heroes yeah exactly she makes it very clear that she doesn't want to be this role this perfect role model mm -hmm. she never intended on this so she, like she, but she's very savvy about this thing she knows the fans know she's clearly like mm -hmm. the thing that the fans always bring up is if Taylor wanted to hide, she would. We saw it in the Reputation era. Yep. If she wanted to be ported from place to place in a luggage, she would do it because she's <laughs> done it before. Um, so she's choosing to let fans and the world see her with Maddie Healy. Um, so that must not be, if she must not be like ashamed. Um, it seems like it's fairly on the record that she's, um, if she had a problem with it, she would say something. So that's the vibe right now and so she's clearly doing this as a business move to like change the conversation to be less about that relationship and more about like hey i'm still on tour i'm still putting out stuff you're still getting new music from me like let's maybe push that off to the side because maddie is never going to, he doesn't just he never strikes me as somebody who's going to get out there and be like i'm sorry i said these things mm -hmm. so that's basically what's going on and then you have all the fans trying to tell her all this and like control her own narrative yeah it's just it's my my read about it is that i don't think she should necessarily be 100 percent responsible for what somebody in her life has done or said yes it is true that the people you choose to you know to deal with and it does matter to a certain extent it should be read as oh well if she thinks this guy is okay then maybe that's a little worrying but also the context is larger than that. And I think a lot of fans are reading a very surface level version of this without necessarily considering the context in which these statements were said. That's why I gave the context here on the podcast, mm -hmm. just in case people didn't know. That being said, yeah, obviously it's still messed up. 
and these are traps that I think that are easy to avoid. It's very easy not to say something racist. I mean, come on. <laughs> like, it's very easy. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you have this still happening in 2023 is kind of embarrassing. And he's kind of an embarrassing guy. And I, I didn't really like him before all this happened either. I don't really understand the 1975. Been on this podcast saying that I don't really get their thing. I don't get this weird line that he seems like he feels like he has to walk of what's ironic and what's genuine. And he again falls into this trap here, and just I mean, not in his music. And it's just it's frustrating. But Taylor's her own woman. She's making her own decisions. She should be able to have the freedom to choose who she sees in a romantic capacity. And I don't necessarily think it's up to us to be like, uh-uh-uh, not that one. That one we did not approve. Which is the vibe that a lot of fans have. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I feel like it's okay to hold, again, people don't understand this on the internet, but you can hold two somewhat contradicting ideas at the same time in your head at once. You can do that here as well. You can love Taylor Swift. You can believe that she's a good role model. You can believe that the things that she does are important and like be a fan of her. And also understand that she's also a human who has human relationships with other people who are not going to be perfect. Um, who should apologize, but maybe we but but, uh, but we can't necessarily hold that kind of level of uh, expectation to everyone. They're always going to fail you. Like celebrities are people; they're always going to fail you in some way. Taylor's not infallible, and so those two things can exist. Mm -hmm. I think so. There, that's that's. So that's, that was been nice. The Till Dawn edition. <laughs> so you actually listened to this. I didn't actually listen to the new tracks. What do you What do you think about them? Uh, is it worth they sound worse? Uh, that seems to be a, a common opinion. And a lot of it sounds better. Oh, we didn't but, even mention this. Yeah. So the Ice Spice, uh, Ice Spice, Ice Spice uh, New Hotness uh, yes. in the rap world, it does a verse on Kana. Yes, but it sounds like all the late 2010s, or no, sorry, the early 2010s, where they were throwing a bunch of these mm -hmm. um, like rappers on pop songs. Well, I mean, Taylor's done this. Uh, Kendrick Lamar did a verse on a remix of Bad Blood. Yeah. Um... So there's even precedent in the Taylor catalog for this. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, that was around the same time, though. Yeah, late, yeah. Early, early 2010. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that there's context for Taylor doing this as well. So, yeah, it's even even more correct. Uh, but I listened to the first. I actually, I don't get why everybody's so against it. I thought it was fine. Like, I think Ice Spice sounds good. I like the beat behind it. Like, people are saying, like, I don't know why they changed the beat when Nerverse comes in. Like, they could have just left the original Carter beat. Like, no. No. They it sounds better this the, yeah. way. They made the right choice, I think, for Ice Spice's vibe. I don't get why people are so against it. I mean, it's out there. It's a thing. It's, I think it sounded good. It's fine. It, I, don't, I think what people are mis trying to, like, do that doesn't improve upon the original. No, but it's a remix. But does it need does it need to improve upon the original? It's supposed to be something separate. It's it is to be a thing that like not yeah I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, just like you know this relationship stuff, I think a lot of Taylor Swift fans are learning things for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> like no, this is just what a remix is, people. <laughs> Sorry, you're 20. You haven't you haven't you haven't been through this before. I don't know. Um, I saw the th uh, someone did a remix of. What was it? Um, Anti-hero. Uh -huh. A ska remix of it. <laughs> that was great. going around. That sounds great. It's pretty good. <laughs> uh, but that's a rendition. Was it Scottoon Network? Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Scottoon Network is a um, 
a prominent social media artist, uh, they, they do ska covers of popular songs. I actually just saw them do um, a ska cover of a thousand, uh, thousand Miles from Carlton <laughs> yeah. uh, this morning on TikTok, and it was great. Might have been. It probably was. Probably was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like Check out Scott difference between a rendition or... and a remix. <laughs> sure, but yeah. Yeah. But, um, I mean, how's the, the, the Lana verse on um, uh, Snow on Beach? Uh, I think it works. I think the verse actually works within the context. Um, it does make it just a little touch longer. I love how she promoted this too. The cover, the new cover of the Till Dawn edition says Snow on the Beach, parentheses, more, more Lana, Lana Del Rey. It, I was telling Christy, it reminds me of like laundry detergent with <laughs> more OxyClean or something like that. It seems so like weirdly businessy, but Taylor for you. I mean, the, the, doesn't the first one, or the original one, already say featuring, featuring Lana, Lana Del Rey? Del Rey. So, I mean, could she just add with Lana Del Rey? Would that be more accurate? <laughs> more Lana Because she's no longer featured, she's just with it. Now, with more fun and all right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It just, I thought it was funny. All right. Anything else uh, uh, stuck out to you? No. Like I said, it was only three songs. How do you like that now? Hits Different is now on streaming. Did you like Hits Different? I like that song. Mm, I kind of wish it was on the original 3 a.m. version. I don't think I heard that one. It's been all over TikTok. Oh, that's why. And so I had already heard it, but... Because uh, it was on the CD. It was the original one that was exclusive on to the, the CD. Okay. And it wasn't on street, all streaming networks until this release. Okay, no, that didn't. It's a good song. Okay, uh, but yeah, she also did. Like I said, she also did the um, like the CD specific release. Yeah. For was it Philadelphia? Yes, uh, the Philly uh, concerts. I think no, it was wherever she was after that. No, uh, she York? went to she went to Foxborough after that. She was that. in Foxborough. I think now she's in New York. Okay. I think it's for the New York shows. She's okay. giving away the uh, the CD. Well, she's with not this, giving it away. She's selling it. With his, uh, which but, yeah. I think is called Lose. Was it something with lose me or you're losing me? You're That's losing what it is. Me. So I heard you're losing me on TikTok, and everybody's kind of freaking out because it sounds like a song that she hastily wrote after the breakup. Okay. Because it's very much a breakup song. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe she already had it in the chamber before this actually happened, but it definitely feels like it. One of the lines in the bridge is something about like I wouldn't, I wouldn't even marry me. Is one of the lines, and I'm like, mm-hmm. which leads credit, credence to a lot of fan theories about like that uh, Joe had proposed, oh. and that she was like, absolutely not, and that's why they broke up. <laughs> if we're not going to get married, what are we even doing? So much for the conversation. Pa- so much for paper rings. Paper huh? rings. Huh? 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 Anyway, I don't know. Again, I'm not going to make assumptions about Taylor's personal life and the decisions she makes. Uh, I try not to do that as much as I can, um, unless we're talking about in retrospect, like we did for our Taylor Swift podcast, which you can listen to on our feed if you yes. want to dig this up. So, okay. Anyways, long story short, too all late. Of that is to too say, late. Yeah, I know. <laughs> all of that we spent like 10, 15 minutes on this. But what I will say is, yeah, those songs are now available on streaming. That lo- uh, uh, through losing me is only on the CD if you happen to be there. Um, but um, yes, we do not suggest that you um, yeah. board your ships and sail away from the Media Boat podcast. <laughs> so, Taylor's out there uh, doing stuff. Figure it out. Yes. Uh, but we're still doing stuff, though. We are still doing we stuff. We still have a podcast to get to. Yes. That's more stuff to cover, including video games. Yeah, let's move on to video yeah. games. So, let's uh, roll right into some new releases. Yeah. Starting with Company of Heroes 3, colon, 
console edition yeah. for PS5 and Xbox Series X. If you missed it on PC, here's your chance. There's also Far World Pioneers for everything. Yep. Wide release, everyone gets it. Yep. Friends versus Friends. Which, unfortunately, PC. is not a Battle Royale starring the, the cast of Friends like I want it to be. <laughs> it's your, your Ross Geller is overpowered. <laughs> friends versus Friends on PC. Uh, System Shock 2023 remake mm. for the PC. You ever play System Shock? No, I went right into Bioshock. <laughs> it is actually, that is actually accurate. That is predecessor to the Bioshock. Yes, this is the 2023 remake of the predecessor. System Shock's alright. It's a fun game. Um, there's also Etrian Odyssey Origins Collection for the Switch and PC. Yep, a collection of, I believe, the first four Etrian Odyssey games, which were originally DS games. Alright. Uh, Killer Frequency for everything. Wide release. Also wide release. Super Mega Baseball 4. So this is the first Super Mega Baseball after the um, developers purchased by EA. Uh, doesn't seem to have changed anything though. And the coolest part about this year's uh, Super Mega Baseball, they brought back some Major League Baseball legends, some former players that you can play as, mm -hmm. uh, including uh, Bartolo Colon. Ooh, yeah. okay. And Big Poppy. Big Poppy. A lot, of, a lot of good names in there uh, that you can sift through and play as, uh, alongside all the ones that you love from the, uh, all the fake baseball players you love <laughs> from the franchise. And yes, you can still throw balls at people's uh, balls, and they still keel over. And it's great. It's wonderful. It's the best part of that game. Uh, I mean, we love it, but there's also, we love Katamari Royal Revere for Reverie. everything. Royal Reverie. Revere. So this is the second Katamari game, and so this is another remake of that game, We Love Katamari. This is a great, if you like the original, this is an even better. It's got one of the best games, in the or best levels in the Katamari franchise where you're on a racetrack. Fantastic. I love We Love Katamari, and if you haven't played it, here's your chance. Yep, because that's available for everything, everywhere. Go find it. But get out of the way, we have two heavy weight Big releases Big coming releases. out. Um, the first one, Street Fighter Six yeah. for everything but the Switch and the and the Xbox One. Yep. This is a new gen release. Yes, Street Fighter Six uh, got the big promos. Yeah, everywhere this week. I have never played a Street Fighter game. That is a fact about me. Mm -hmm. I might check this out. It seems like this is the time to get in uh, when everybody else is fresh uh, it as well. And also, really compelled by the uh, uh, like the fact that you can actually create a fighter and have a like a like a story mode about your created fighter. Yes, going around cool. fighting in the streets. Yeah, I'm very interested in this. I might return one of the uh, games I have out right now just to check this out because I haven't gotten into a Street Fighter ever before. If you don't want Street Fighter, there's also the Why Blizzard release. Of Diablo IV. I, I have not actually. Uh, we got a chat here about uh, Street Fighter. Yeah, no, I haven't seen the movie either. And I really. I probably should uh, because I've heard some things about that movie. Uh, that the 1996 actually, version with. Uh, is it. 96 seems late for that. Like maybe, 92 then? 94? Is it earlier? Early 90s, I think, I yeah. would say. 94, 95? Uh, but yeah, um, I've heard good things about that thing. I've with Rob Gullia? Yeah, R.I.P. Yes. It was Raul Julia's last really? movie, right? Like, didn't he die, like, right after that release? Something like that, yeah. yeah. I haven't seen it. I heard good things, though. Um, yeah. it's only he like... did it for his kids. <laughs> yeah, that's the rest of that cast did, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, 
Maybe maybe that's what I'll do. I'll play some six and I'll watch Street Fighter and talk about it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Street Fighter six and Diablo IV are your big releases. IV. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to try uh, Diablo four again. I've never played a Diablo game. <laughs> no, that's not true. I played like. 10 minutes of Diablo 3 at the GameStop Expo 2014. Because it was on the PS3. When it was out on PS3, yeah. Um, But yeah, no, I've never actually played, sat down with a Diablo game. I think I'd love it. So I'm actually, I might, maybe I might might pick up uh, the Diablo 4 on PC, maybe. So that makes this a 15-year wait between games then? It's been a while since Diablo 3. Because that was in 2006. Yeah, it's been a, been a No, no, yeah, it's way too early, I think. 2010, 11? For the PS3? Because it was part of the PS3 kinda, release. I remember it was a... No, it was a late 3 release. I think you're thinking of the PS4 launch. No. 2013. No. Does Diablo Immortal count? Uh, I mean, I've never played that either, so... <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I've heard some things about that, though. Um, I heard it was all right. Um, okay, you're looking up Diablo 3 release date here. I want to say 2013, 2012. 2012, yeah. 2012. See, much later. You were thinking about the wrong console launch. Yes. Because, yeah, I think at GameStop Expo, I think I played the PS4 version uh, of it. So, yeah, 10 the... years later. Um, yeah. Hey, I mean, they're on the um, Kingdom Hearts track there mm-hmm. in terms of releases. And, yes, that is your Kingdom Hearts reference drop for the for the episode <laughs> yeah you need, we need to have like a swear jar except for uh, when you bring up kingdom hearts okay well speaking of kingdom hearts let's get right into playstation there was no kingdom hearts we i have know to say this up front we yes. were disappointed so playstation had their big showcase uh, on wednesday yes, their own showcase of the immortals <laughs> oh, <laughs> then you had to take a shot at the kingdom hearts forever. That, that's smart drinking media vote drinking game for every time mike brings up yeah media vote drinking game yep all right so PlayStation had their big showcase. Um, a lot of people were wondering, was this going to be a big time for a bunch of first-party PlayStation uh, Studios releases? I think that's more or less what we thought mm-hmm. last week when we talked about the announcement of this show. Turns out, no, not really. It ended up being heavy on third-party games, a lot of partners, and only one big uh, presentation related to a Sony PlayStation Studios release. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Before we break it down, what was your overall vibe of this? Because I think that, weirdly, the the internet, especially the Sony fans, uh, PlayStation fans, seem to not be happy with what was shown here. Well, there were three things, three main, like, bingo card hits that people were looking for. One was the Naughty Dog. Right. Um, whether it was going to be the announcement of Last of Us 3 or The Last of Us multiplayer. So, just Or a new IP. Something from Naughty Dog. Well, completely with. We ended up getting missed. our answer about that a couple days later, yesterday, yes. uh, when um, t- Naughty Dog finally went to social media and put out a statement saying that they are not ready to show um, the fa- Factions multiplayer uh, La- Last of Us project. Mm-hmm. So, it turns out that this was in response to a, um, a story that went up I believe Bloomberg, I believe this was a Jason Schreier piece where uh, Schreier basically said, like, put out a report about there was a team downsizing that happened. I saw um, that, With yes. uh, the Factions multiplayer game. Um, it was originally started out as a project that was very hands-on with Naughty Dog, and they wanted to do it their way. And ultimately, I think Sony came in and was like, taking too long, guys. 
no, this is not how you want to do it. We understand that guys are perfectionists, but this is not the way that we're going to have to, like, not the way we want this to happen. We want it more streamlined, like, take down the size of the team and start over, is essentially what happened to this project. In their statement, Naughty Dog more or less confirmed this without specifically saying those words. They uh, confirmed that it is a smaller team working mm -hmm. on this project now. So yeah, I would not be surprised if the thing that Naughty Dog wanted this to be just wasn't coming together fast enough. And Sony was like, no, get this out. We need uh, games as a service games to start coming out here. And sure enough, we got a lot of those games here at this uh, showcase. Yep. Anyways, back to your bingo card. Back to my bingo card. Uh, the second big one that was on everyone's, uh, that was all but confirmed, we just mm -hmm. waiting for it to show, was the showcase for Spider-Man 2. And we got that. And we got that. Uh, we didn't get a release date. No, and we got fall. Yes. We got fall of this year. Uh, we also almost got faked out by the trailer. <laughs> as it yes. started with a jungle theme, and everyone thought, well, this isn't Spider-Man, he's in the city. <laughs> I honestly and had no two. idea what was happening. I was like, what is this game? not far cry because it's playstation studios i was like legitimately racking my brain i was going my mind went to predator okay sure because they was like trying to hunt something predator in the vibes. jungle like a predator vibe i'm not a comic book guy so i did not know who this character was oh craven the hunter the i hunter? don't know who this is sergey nothing oh okay yeah he's um basically bear grills on steroids <laughs> he's a hunter and a survivor <laughs> and he's also he's a survivor he's gonna make it russian i believe okay um i want to say he is also scorpion's brother i, I believe it he's, he's another like villain's like brother i don't know if it's scorpion or rhino but that may just be might be crossing my brains there <laughs> uh but yeah uh we actually got uh a showcase for spider-man 2 yeah we got the uh official trailer and then it hit the hour mark, and then the trailer kept going, Yeah. and then it went into gameplay. And we actually saw some gameplay of this. So real quick, it seems like what we uh, learned about it is that this, uh, the Peter Parker Spider-Man from the first game is now has the, um, Venom, symbiote. the Venom symbiote powers. Yes. So he's completely in, in symbiote mode. Think Spider-Man 3 minus the emo dancing. Um, and yeah, it seems... Yeah. The first thing I said when I told this to Christy, she asked if the dance was in there. I'm like, maybe. It wasn't in the trailer. No. Um, so, yeah, and it seems like, as previously reported, it's going to be a game where you're switching between Peter Parker and Miles Morales. Mm -hmm. They're helping each other in the story here, and they have slightly different gameplay depending on who you're playing. Uh, yes. With the symbiote also, stuff giving a real big difference between the gameplay styles. And they also have different mechanics, which mm -hmm. makes me very cautiously optimistic about how you're going to, how they're going to con get players to rapidly switch between <laughs> uh, one Spider-Man to the other. Especially when, like, even going from different video games, I myself have, like, a quick, like, two-minute reset right. of, like, Okay, what was this jump? Is this I mean, jump? Is this? It seems like it's similar action? enough where like that that they would, you wouldn't get too caught off guard. You just have to remember who has which combos, maybe. Yes. Um, yeah, that's that's funny. I did not count the puddles myself, uh, but yeah, I'm sure we'll get hear a lot of very angry people uh, yell about puddles when the actual game comes out. Yes. Were you privy to the puddles discussion from the first game? Uh, wasn't there a um, lack of reflection in them? Yeah, people were mad that they didn't look as good as they did in the early trailers of that yes. first game. Man, gotta love video game fans, right? They're almost <laughs> as bad as Taylor Swift fans. Yeah, just, they just pick on everything. <laughs> so, you know what? Now that I think, I'm not sure who's worse. The Swifties or, like, the, the PlayStation fanboys. 
Uh, the Xbox fanboys. Ooh, wow, shots fired. I'm sorry, have you been to an Xbox convention? No, do they, do, is that a thing? Is that, does that exist? Yes. Ooh. I mean, we have two people we know we can ask and oh, have been to them. Anyway. Uh, well, regardless. Um, regardless. So yeah, I thought it looked good. I thought the showcase of the Spider-Man 2 stuff looked pretty good. I think it's a good-looking game. If that was run, it feel, felt like that was running on PS5. Can I say that because of the stuttering? Yes. But uh, after the showcase, they actually put up the 4K version oh, okay. on their channel. So if you want to check out the actual 4K top resolution on YouTube, it is on the PlayStation proper channel as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but did you get a release date and no. did not get a pre-order? Because otherwise, no. I would have hit pre-order on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it'll be just as good as that first game, except hopefully less uh, stealth stuff with Mary Jane, because that's what threw me off the, the the first game real hard. Oh, don't worry. Now it's stealth stuff with Miles Morales because he can turn invisible. Yeah, but he can turn invisible. Mary Jane could not. Yes. <laughs> so he got points in that department. So yeah, no, I'm excited. Except, man, why is that game not co-op? They confirmed again that that is this is a single-player non-co-op. Yes. Thing. It's like. It's so easy for them to do a co-op experience, but because it's two Spider-Man, it's not their focus, which I understand. Like at least their focus, they want know what the game they're making is, and all power to them. Uh, Insomniac, they make good games, so I have full confidence that this will be good. Mm-hmm. All, right. all right. What uh, else did they so show us? Lastly, on the bingo card yes. uh, was a rumor that came out the week prior uh-huh. um, of a Metal Gear Solid yeah. remake. And that turned out to be true. So Metal Gear Solid 3, Three specific yes. remake. Yes, Metal Gear Solid 3 remake with... Snake Eater. Yes, with a collection of the first yeah. three games? Two games? So, turns out five. Five, I'll, yes. I'll explain. Uh, so yeah, those ended up being two separate products. There is a Metal Gear Solid, Solid 3 remake. Called which... uh, Metal Gear Solid Master Collection. Well, 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 hold on. You're getting ahead of yourself. Okay. The collection is different. I'm talking about the remake. The remake of Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater is a separate individual product. Yes. And that is seems like a complete remake in kind of the vibe of what Capcom's been doing with the Resident Evil series. Like, up like, completely remade assets, like, made for next gen. Um, that is with the, the title... I don't know if it's supposed to be read as Triangle. I'm not really sure. It's a Oh, sibling. Lambda. Is that a Lambda? It's a Lambda, okay. yes. So Metal Gear Solid Lambda... Colon Snake Eater is the title. It's Greek of this letter, thing. yes. Yeah, it was a triangle. I don't know. I don't know Greek. It's all Greek to me. <laughs> um, and so yeah, that seems to be a separate product. Then also they are putting out, uh, I guess, re-releasing because these are existing HD remakes that they had already released on previous uh, platforms, just rebundled as the Metal Gear Solid Master Collection. Mm-hmm. So that's Metal Gear Solid, Metal Gear Solid Two: Sons of Liberty, and Metal Gear Solid Three: Snake Eater. The original HD remaster, not this new remake. And additionally, today they confirmed that the original um, uh, what platform was that originally on? Which one? Uh, the the original the the, the top down two D Metal Gear, the first two Metal Gear games. Those are PlayStation One games. No, pre before that. Oh, not solid that? Metal Gear. Oh, Metal Gear before that. So there are NES versions of this, but this Acid. is actually wait no no. <laughs> No, they're not remaking Acid, unfortunately, for all you PlayStation Portable hits. Um, no. Um, what the hell is that platform that was on? I'm thinking it's, it's not Sega Master System. It's the it's whatever we got as Turbo Graphics here. I don't remember. What, I think it's Turbo Graphics here. What was it originally called? The MS. 
fuck, I should know this. Anyways. Um, so yeah, the not the four solid is the original two uh, first two Metal Gear games from the eighties. Anyways, we don't have time to look this up. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Anyways, those games are in the Master co Collection. Now, not the Commodore sixty four. No, 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 no. no. Um, MSX, thank you. Yeah, MSX. Uh, MSX, the MSX, which was a Japanese computer that was not released here. Anyways. Uh, but the thing that everybody is now asking, the question now is, this says Volume 1. Right. Does that imply a Volume 2 in which we finally get a current-gen version of Metal Gear Solid 4? Which, up to this point, has been locked and locked down on the PlayStation 3 with no other way of tying it. Maybe. Maybe we do. So you get 4, 5, and... Um... What was it? Survive? Survive. The one. <laughs> and uh, Prologue. <laughs> yeah. And maybe Acid. And Acid. <laughs> or Portable Ops. Or, um, you know, any of those uh, portable P ones. Any of the PSP, PS Go games. Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? Anyway. So, yeah, we'll see. But, yeah, at least we know that, that, that everybody wanted, yeah, uh, like everybody wanted a remake of Snake Eater. It's the, it's the, it's the yeah, Tony Hawk style three and four three together. Three plus four. Yeah. Um, yeah, everybody wanted Snake Eaters. Usually the, the fan mm -hmm. favorite. It's the one that everybody says is the best. Um, so it makes sense for that one to be one they choose to go hard in it. Now, of course, the other question is, is Kojima involved? That's what I was going to no. ask. <laughs> no, very much not. This is Konami taking complete ownership of the franchise, remaking it without Kojima's help. Um, he is not involved in any way. So are they saying that this will now be the definitive version outside of Kojima then? I would assume. I would assume that's the goal here. Um... We'll see how how, uh, how, it, how it works out for him. Um, that game, I've never played it. The only, um, this is just a cavalcade of games I've never played, huh? Yes. Um, <laughs> the only Metal Gear Solid game I've spent a lot of time in is 4. I, pl I played most of 4. I played, I want to say the first one on PlayStation when it came out. Yeah. And... Because it was a stealth game, and I was like six. Yeah, not very good No idea what to no. do. The game's hard. Yeah. The game's really hard. Anyway. So, yeah. Metal Gear. Uh, so, some people are very, very thrilled about this. Yep. Uh, also, on that bingo card, in terms of announcements, Assassin's yeah. Creed Mirage. We did see it. Yeah. We got it, gameplay. We got... Uh, sure looks like Assassin's Creed 1, doesn't it? Yes. It looks like a retelling of Assassin's Creed 1, but it's not. But it's not. No. It's a new character. Uh, and, yeah. I'm, I'm interested. Um... It seems like they're going to a little bit of a return to the gameplay of the original um, couple games, uh, which is a little disappointing to me. I like kind of the loot stuff of the latter day ones, but I'm willing to give it a shot. Oh, I like a lot of the stealth stuff that from the first game. I mean, that's kind of like what got me into it. Was like, oh, yeah. yes, lots of stealth, lots of running around, and lots of just hidden blade, stab, 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 everybody. And it looked cool. It yeah. looked, uh, graphically, it looked pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. uh, something that was not on anybody's bingo card, though. Uh -huh. Uh, and shocked a lot of people as to why they hadn't done this already. Although technically you still can do this without the controller. Yeah. Uh, they announced a dedicated game streaming device. Yes. But you need a PlayStation 5 yeah. in order to stream it to the handheld. So yeah, they're calling it Project Q. And it literally looks like they slapped a uh, LCD screen in between the DualSense controller. Yes. It's not too dissimilar to, uh, from the Wii U uh, tablet, um, and a lot of people pointed that out. That yet again, just like the PlayStation Move controllers, 
years later they are copying Nintendo. Yes. So yeah, you mentioned that it needs a PS5 to work. It is purely a streaming device. It is not like the street, uh, uh, the Steam Deck, where it is an individual powered by itself console. Um, so who is this for? Is a lot of people uh, what a lot of people are asking. I think what it is. It's a lot is of a way, single uh, single television homes. Yeah, I think it's a lot of that. I think it's a lot of situations where oh, I want to play PS Five, but I want to play it on a controller, not my phone, and I also want to play it in my bedroom yeah. in bed. What's it called on the phone? The PS App. Uh, yeah, you. I think the remote play stuff. It, remote play is the term that they use and have used for a while now. Well, yes, because I have it on my phone. You have to have play. You can play. It's it not the PS app. Right yes, PS remote app. play. Yes, uh, this, and it will stream to your phone. Yeah, and you can play it on your phone. This just simplifies it and for, uh, puts it in a way that I think is a little easier for people who that seems baffling to mm -hmm. to understand. I think they're just going. They knew that there was an audience of people who this is something they want and they see the Steam Deck and see the concept of it and were mm -hmm. like, why can't I do this? And it just makes it easier for somebody who already is in the PlayStation um, uh, ecosystem just to have something that they can buy to have immediately and it just works. You know who this would be great for? Who? People who are trapped in their rooms because yeah. of COVID yeah. and don't have access to the TV. Or I don't know, or people who uh, maybe you know are going to be fathers soon and need to have something very quickly to play video games while they're watching their child. Yes, yeah, so you have to be in the <laughs> nursery to like watch huh. your child and play video games and not be standing in front of a TV. I can't think of anybody who's going to be in that situation soon. I, no, no, neither of us are in that specific situation. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. I got nothing. I don't know. So, yes, you will be buying this day one. Probably. <laughs> it very seems right up my alley of, oh, I yeah. need something to play portably. Of course, we don't know when this is coming out. They didn't really even announce official name, mm -hmm. price, release date. We have no idea. This is just the first that they're showing that this is a thing that they want to do. Also, if you want earbuds, I guess they're making those, too. Yeah, they're making, um, instead of the uh, Sony 3D big headphones, they're mm -hmm. now just in earbud format. Okay, so I want to, I bring this up, yeah, it makes sense for them to do this, one. Yes. But two, I bring this up for one specific reason, and I feel like I'm going crazy because no one is talking about this. At one point in that, when they were talking about it, they said, lossless audio. Yeah, I heard that. Okay, no. Yes. First of all, Bluetooth. My understanding is that Bluetooth was not capable of that. Mm -hmm. So what the hell is the technology in this thing that Sony figured it out? Atmos, no. No, but that's what that's I'm saying. Only. So even even uh, Apple say that. So even the fancy ass over the ear AirPod Maxes don't have lossless capabilities mm -hmm. because Apple straight up said like, yeah, we can't do it. Bluetooth is incapable of this. So I want to know what magic Sony is using on this thing, unless they're talking out of their asses. It very could well be, it yes. could, could well be. But you don't use lossless unless you mean lossless. Unless they say loss and they don't understand that right. there is actual lossless but out there. Sony would know, yes. presumably, because they're Sony. Yes. So if that's true, music group. if they figured it out and these aren't that expensive, I might pick these up. Because I would love a lossless earbud. That mm -hmm. sounds wonderful. Yeah. But we'll see, I guess. All right, so I'm going to add this, both of these to my Christmas list <laughs> and birthday list yeah. as they're both like right next to each other. PowerPoint now. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes, and my anniversary list right yeah. there, right in between, yeah. yes. Right. Get your PowerPoint just, ready. Just add, just add to the list, add to the list. All right. Uh, let's see here. Let's go back to do some games then, shall yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, let's just start rattling this off. They showed a lot of games. Yes, a lot of games, including Alan Wake 2. We know it was coming. We got a release date, October yeah. 17th. Seems cool. Uh, Final Fantasy 16. Yep. We knew it was coming month. next month. Just got another uh, more like official story trailer to it. 
boy, does this game look not for me at all. But I'm happy to hear you tell me about it. Yes, I will definitely <laughs> tell you about this. Because, man, a lot of cutscenes, a lot of story, a lot of highfalutin fantasy stuff Pro that I do not care about. Probably one that I'm actually going to buy because I will spend a lot of time <laughs> yeah, on this you're one. Gonna, you're going to be in it. Uh, Dragon's Dogma 2. We knew it was coming. Gets a new trailer. Yeah, haven't uh, played the original, but th that thing has its fans. Uh, Bungie announced both the latest right. Destiny DLC yes. expansion, whatever you want to well, call they announced it. Specifically, they announced a place where they're going to talk about the future of Destiny. Yes. They, it wasn't August game. 22nd. Like, it wasn't expansion. It was just an, an ad for their next showcase. Wait, are they not calling it uh, no, next object or whatever? the name of the thing, of the, 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 the stream. Oh, yeah. I thought that was the name no. of the next thing, calling it the next, the next shape or yeah, last next shape, shape or something, shape, like that. Yeah, something like that. I think that's just them saying, okay, what's going to be the future of, of Destiny? But that wasn't the only thing that the, uh, Bungie wanted to show off. Uh, yeah, they decided to go back in time. And show off Marathon. Yes, Marathon. And if you're not ancient uh, like we are, Marathon was a shooter franchise for the Mac, originally released in 1992. Yes, no I, just Mac. <laughs> it was ban It was uh, a Bungie's basic approach at a shooter like Doom. It was very much like pre-mouse look, 2D sprites and a 3D level <laughs> kind of vibe. I played Marathon. It's fun. It's an alright game if you like Doom. Uh, a lot of shooting aliens. Yes, but here's the thing though. They're saying that it's not a sequel, uh, <laughs> but it belongs in the same universe. So you're going to have to call it Marathon 2024? Yeah. Whatever this releases? Yeah, yeah. They should remake. Wait, didn't they remake che Chex Quest? I could have I swore that they did that. <laughs> Anyways, but yes, think Chex Quest. That kind of vibe. Um, but here's the thing about this Marathon. It is games-as-a-service, free-to-play PvP marathon. This is not a single-player story situation. Also, not PlayStation exclusive, even though Bungie is a Sony company now. Uh, they made it, outside of this um, presentation, they made it clear that this is a multi-platform uh, game that will be cross-save. Uh, yep, PvP, zero, single-player. Yeah, cross-save, cross-competition, everything. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I'm curious. This trailer was very striking. I really thought it was a cool. I actually thought it was the best trailer of the show. Mm -hmm. I seem to be outnumbered. Uh, apparently, people don't have nostalgia for Marathon anymore. But, hey, I remember Marathon. <laughs> sure, it came out when I was two, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> I still need nostalgia for it. So, yeah, I'm curious about this. Um, we'll learn more in the future. But, yeah, I, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we also had, like I said, another look at Street Fort. Street Fighter VI yep. with its story mode and yeah. the create a character. I'll try it out. Uh, there was also the new Haven Studio release, Fair Games. Another game that afterwards was confirmed to be a PvP games as service kind of thing. Because this one looked cool to me. Mm. A little bit of like payday influence. Yeah, but like a first person shooter. Yes. Yeah. Like a cross between like pay payday and uh, watchdogs. Yeah. But, as you mentioned, PvP. Also, maybe it could be because I'm playing it right now, but I feel a little bit of that Saints Row vibes where it was talking about, oh, these are 20-somethings who are very much trying to, like, uh, take money from the rich kind of vibe. Yes. Very trendy right now. Um, and so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, very trendy for a big uh, corporation yeah. to put out a game saying, come take our money <laughs> as we take your money. <laughs> yeah, a little weird. A little weird vibe there. But, yeah, um, 
It looks neat. I don't know. Uh, we'll find out more. Uh, if you didn't play the Talos Principle 1, Talos Principle 2 is yeah. coming out. Robots. Yep. Uh, we also had the uh, <laughs> Bubble Shooter. The best take I saw about this, which is Foam Stars. The best take uh, is, is, I saw a tweet, and I wish I could credit it. But it, it was a tweet that was, wow, Square Enix really said, but we have uh, Splatoon at, at home. home. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, this just looks like Square Enix's attempt, yet again, at a free-to-play, like, Mul PvP shooter. Yep. But it was basically, it looks like Splatoon. It is Splatoon. It looks like Splatoon. It's Splatoon, except it's foam. It's not paint. That's what makes it different. Also, and you can't sue us because of it. <laughs> also, also, it looks like they're going to a, a hero shooter kind of approach to yes. it. Yes. Which means instead of creating and customizing a character, you are a character that has a special move attached to you. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I don't hate the look of it. I think that the footage they showed looked really crappy. It almost looked like they were showing PS4 footage of this game. <laughs> they could very well be. It's actually going to come out on PS4. Um, but man, um, looks rough, but it could be all right. I don't know. Early, too early to tell. Uh, super cartoony. Yeah. Colorful. Yeah, color palettes. Uh, there was also a new, bunch of diff just different new games coming out from indie developers. Right, yeah, some smaller like games. the Plucky Squire. Yeah. I thought was cute because, you know, it's in and out of storybooks and different yes. animation styles. Cool hook. And also, uh, here's something you, I don't know if you know about it. Plucky Squire's art uh, uh, is by James Turner, who is previously somebody who worked a lot on Pokemon art. Hey. He created some of uh, somebody's some people's favorite slash um, least favorite Pokemon designs, including um, the vanilla ice cream Pokemon. <laughs> He's yeah, he I, I personally really like his art. I follow him on Twitter. He does a lot of like Kirby fan art and stuff. He's cool. He's also um, uh, in charge of a lot of, still in charge of a lot of the Pokemon uh, character designs as well. But yeah, to see him branch out and do art for this indie game is also very cool. And I like his kind of house style. So yeah, Plucky Squire looks neat. Yep. Uh, Phantom Plague Zero, uh, which is a new hack and slash RPG game. Uh, this yeah. is the ancient um, samurai times. Yeah, it kind of looked like uh, Ghost of Tsushima for That's a second. That's what I thought it was. And, was and like, they were like, no. No, it's not. Uh, Ghost Runner 2 was announced for later this year. Yeah, a different approach than the first one. Um, similar to Helldivers 2, which is also a different approach yes. than the first one. Uh, third person now. Uh, we also had the Giant Squid reveal for Sword of the Sea. Yeah, so this is by the Giant art director Squid. of Journey. Yep, uh, and, and it looks kind of like Journey. Yes. Uh, Journey, Abzu, and... Yeah. Fort... 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 Uh, Follow me. Forget what it the is. Following. <laughs> Not the following. <laughs> I know what you're talking about, but but yeah, uh, and the cool cool skateboarding mechanics with that sword. Yeah, skateboarding swords. It's pretty cool on the sand. Yeah, uh, and then there's a bunch of like P uh, VR stuff for yeah. uh, PSVR too. PSVR stuff. Um, not super great showing for PSVR. I feel like they still haven't really put out that killer app for that thing. The, the one thing you have to buy it. There's a lot of stuff for it, yeah, but there's but not the, you have to play it for this game. Not too compelling. Though, yeah, this VR mode for Resident Evil 4 that they showed looked alright. Yeah, there's a Help Wanted 2 that um, got announced, yeah. Friday the Freddy. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of other stuff somewhere. Yeah, I don't know why this list is out oh, of yeah. order. Uh, Arizona Sunshine 2. Zombies. Zombie game. Uh, Synapse. The thing with all these is they look like VR and games. 
Beat Saber. Yeah, or it's just like either ones we already knew about or ones that look like other games that we already know about on VR. Yep. So if you've played VR, you mostly know what to expect on this. Uh, Crossfire, Sierra Squad. Yeah, it's a shooter. Uh, In Dreams, Synapses, and Queen for Beat Saber. Yeah, Queen songs for Beat Saber. I don't know. It wasn't super... It didn't sell on anybody, I don't think, who wasn't already sold on PSVR 2. I think also we should touch on because there's a bunch of other. I want to talk about Revenant Hill, uh, which you skipped by. Um, that is the ga- game uh, by the new game by the studio and the artist behind Night in the Woods. Okay. Finally, um, a lot of people saw that cat and was like, "Wait a minute, that's like the cat from Night in the Woods." And that's because it's the same guy, mm-hmm. um, Scott Benson, uh, who does the art there. Also a good Twitter follow. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see what it is. It seems like it's about the cat. And about the community around the cat, and like, I don't know a whole lot yet, but it seems cool, and I love the art. So yeah, I'm very excited about Revenant Hill. All right, but other than that, not a whole lot of other things. Uh, I mean, a lot of fantasy games, a lot of uh, shooter games, fantasy games. Um, anyway, Immortals of Avium. So I mean, to wrap up, yeah. I think the overall vibe. I get why. A lot of people were disappointed, but personally, I thought they were a lot of cool-looking games. And I'm kind of glad that Sony restrained themselves here and only showed stuff that was coming out in the near future. There was no Wolverines here. There was no like big reveal of something that's way high, like way far out on the horizon. Uh, it was a lot. It was very concise and laser-targeted. The stuff that was going to come out soon. And I actually think that's the good move because you don't want people asking like your Microsoft, a billion questions about stuff that's not ready to be shown. Mm-hmm. And I think they were smart. I think people just need to get their expectations in, in line for these kinds of shows. That's <laughs> all. Anyway. Anyways. Uh, that was the PlayStation recap. Yeah, that was the recap. Literally recap the whole thing, and <laughs> we still have like an hour left to go. Yeah. So let's go from the high of the highs of the PlayStation to the low of lows to... <laughs> The Lord of the Rings Gollum. Oh, boy. Because developer Daedalic Entertainment has come out and, rightfully so, <laughs> apologized for delivering what it called an underwhelming experience with the final game this week. Following several delays, co-publishers Nacon and Daedalic released a game this week for consoles and PCs and it was met with unanimously <laughs> negative reviews. Yeah. At the time of publishing, Gollum is the lowest rated game of the year on both major aggregation sites, Metacritic and OpenCritic, mm. with The Guardian labeling it, quote, a derivative, uninteresting, <laughs> and fundamentally broken stealth action and adventure that fails to capture anything interesting about Tolkien's fiction. Quote, quote. Yeah. I mean, it looks like a bad game. It looks like a bad game that on top of being a bad game has horrendous technical issues yes. that are prohibiting people from even playing the bad game underneath all of it. And so, yeah, it kind of maybe the worst game of the year is the vibe. And yeah, like it just, not that anybody had extremely high hopes for it. It kind of came out of nowhere. Well, even when it was announced... Talking about it last week, about how it was kind of being pushed out the door, this is probably why. And when it was announced, people were wondering what this thing was even going to be, because a solo adventure 
involving only Gollum, who doesn't really do anything <laughs> in the actual like Lord yeah. of the Rings franchise. It's a weird pitch that it seems like even the developers never really figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's sure like Gollum and Mines and Tolkien, but you don't venture outside. You're all yeah. indoors and closed. Also, it's kind of a weird time to put this out, too, considering that the hype of the Amazon show has completely died down. Yes. Nobody is talking about Lord of the Rings right now. There's no other products that are, you know, also saying Lord of the Rings right now that are out. And so it's like, it seems like a weird time to put this thing out. Nobody really is caring about this franchise. I mean, two months ago, they announced that they were going to start doing a new Lord of the Rings film for Warner Brothers. But we're not close to seeing what that is. No. So it's like, I don't know. It just seems like weird timing, and um, it just seems like a pile of junk. Um, maybe they'll work on it, and maybe they'll try to do um, some fixes behind the scenes, but ultimately, even if they do fix the technical issues, this seems like it's a hard game to save. It seems like a hard game to sell. <laughs> too. So, we will not, so needless to say, the Mutiny Boat podcast will not be playing Lord of the Rings Gollum. No, but we did play some other stuff. We did play some other stuff. So I actually finished Star Wars Jedi hey, Survivor. All right. Uh, and I'm going to talk about this later, but wow, what a way to do an ending. That's I've a heard. really good story. I, I like the great. twists in this thing. Uh-huh. I like where it went. I was pleasantly both shocked and surprised and also did, well, of course you did that. Uh-huh. But then I thought about it, I was like, well, of course you did it, but also... Damn, I'm glad you actually did it that way. Cool. Um, it's fun to play. It's fun to both gain the new powers along the ways. I do think the steps in between gaining the, the uh, increased force stuff can be, at times, depending on if you do all the side stuff, <laughs> a bit of a long and struggle and a slog. Sure. But if you try and mainline the story and then go back and do all the side quests and stuff afterwards... That's probably the best way to play this game. Just stick to the story, Mm -hmm. treat it as a single-player story mode, and then go back and do the side quests and cleanups. And and get all your color lightsabers and stuff. Yeah, because you don't need to do the side quests to help move the main story forward. Right. uh, Unlike other games where if you do the side quests, you'll become more powerful to tackle the main story. This is not that. This is not that. They mainline the story game. And then added side quests on the side because, as it implies, side quest. They put the side in the side quest. About how long do you think it took you to finish the campaign? Uh, I mean, I probably look it up, but like probably twenty-five hours. That sounds about right. Yeah, because I'm considering. I'm trying to figure out whether I am actually going to finish this or not. I want to because I like it, and but I'm just looking at the time and how I also want to try Street Fighter. Yeah. And also I have Zelda, and I'm like, ah, man, there's too many games, and not all, enough time to tackle all of it at once. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, really trying to think which one I'm enjoying more and which one I'm going to keep. And well, I'll talk about it in a moment. But yeah, I'm not really sure yet. Uh, I mean, it's it's set up itself to play a third game as well. So if you want to wait till then, yeah, <laughs> it's also kind of like dropping out of the like the zeitgeist of like Survivor, but yeah, still a good that's game. The thing is, I want to be able to talk about it because I wonder if, if it's strong enough to show up on our game of the year stuff in the end of the year. And I want to be able to talk to it, especially if we want to talk about some of the ending stuff, 
because you're not the first person who has told me that it gets stronger and stronger as the game. Yeah, let me see what we have uh, currently under well, thoughts. We, we don't need to do this now, but yeah, um, it might be in that conversation. I want to be able to talk about it. Uh, so. Let me see here. I mean, if I can't talk about God of War Ragnarok New Game Plus as a no, new game. No, you won't. All right. Then, yeah, probably it'll put up somewhere on the top end of the year list. Okay. Especially if we'll we're see. compared to, like, Forspoken. Oh, God, no. Forspoken's not even a mile close. Well, you have, like, Dead Space. Yeah, I think, like, my short list right now, I, uh, Dead Space, Resident Evil 4, Hi-Fi Rush. Yeah. Are probably in my three. Hi-Fi Rush. So far. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, ultimately, yeah, I would love to be able to, to, you know, maybe Star Wars shows up. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, um, speaking of possible ending well, the year stuff. here's the thing. Yeah. Uh, so last week I said I hadn't played a whole lot of Zelda uh, Tears of the Kingdom, and that I was hoping to talk about it more this week. Oh, I got bad news. I still haven't played a whole lot more than I played last week. I did spend about another two hours in it. Guys, folks, I am really struggling with this game. And I don't know if it's because I didn't play Breath of the Wild, well, maybe I should go back and play it because I feel like I'm missing something with Tears of the Kingdom and I can't put my finger on it. Everybody out there is talking about how this is the best game they've ever played and freaking out about it and all the freedom that you get with like making, uh, building all the different builds you can do and the, like uh, tackling anything in any order and, and the story is great and the just the, the, the sense of discovery and all this stuff. And all that is true. I'm getting all of that in while I'm playing it. I do like the, the creation mechanics. They are pretty intuitive. I do like the emphasis on the story. Uh, like, I do like the vibe of it. But it's also incredibly hard for me, and I am struggling with doing the same things over and over and over again. And I am just, I feel like I'm in this loop with this game where I'm just not, all that stuff is true, but I'm not having fun because of how hard of a time I'm having with it. I am really, like, I feel like I, it's friction the game for me right now, where I'm just keep running into elements of friction that is, like, keeping me from having that moment where I can be like, oh, I'm having fun now. And maybe it's because I'm still not beyond this first initial area. But right now, I have to get to this shrine that is on the top of a snowy mountain. The snow requires you to have prepared for the cold weather. And the mechanics in this game are, oh, well, if you cook meals that raise Link's temperature, you can withstand the cold. But there's a time limit on those things. <laughs> and you can only you can only cook what you have from the stuff that you picked up from the world. So like, oh, this tree has like five spicy peppers. Okay, I have five spicy peppers. Toss a spicy pepper with like a raw meat. That gives me a spicy ribs or whatever it is. But you have to, with only a certain amount of that stuff. So I feel like I'm constantly running up against like, oh God, Okay, I have three minutes to get from here to here. Am I going to be able to do that? Oh, God, now I have to figure out how to build this this raft with this fan on it to get me to the other side. But that also has an additional mechanic that I have to only have this small amount of charge power that is going to run out. Also, every time I fight an enemy, my weapon breaks again. Oh, but there's also this mechanic where I can fuse like, things to my weapon to make them more powerful. Yeah, but those break too. And that breaks off, and then you're left with the thing that is now susceptible for breaking once your piece, like your rock that you fused to it, is also going to break. I feel like every step of the way, and maybe this is just how my brain works, I'm anxious about something going wrong. 
-hmm. And every time I die and I have to start that over with, the cycle starts again. So I'm like, I get that people really like that friction and people find a lot of joy in that, like, a game that challenges them in that way. Maybe I'm just not that person. You want an easier mode? I don't know what it is. And, you want a no break mode? And the thing with the people who like these games, and this is the way it was with Breath of the Wild, people who loved Breath of the Wild scared me away from Breath of the Wild. It's the reason why I never played it is because there was that conversation at the time about like the weapon degradation stuff. Everybody was like, oh, people complaining about weapon degradation don't understand why it's there. Or people who are complaining about how you can't climb when it's raining in the game don't understand why it's there. And I'm reading this stuff, I'm like, that doesn't sound fun. I don't want to play that game. It's kind of the same thing we had with Elden Ring yeah. this time last year. Uh, it not having a linear story. Yeah. You have to go and find the story. It's the story that you make along the way. Like, yeah. no, just tell me where to go and what to do. So I was listening to one of the podcasts I listened to, uh, Firescape Podcast. It's um, Dan Reichert, uh, Mary Kish, and Mike Mahardy. And Mary was talking about it on the podcast, talking about, like, she's enjoying it. And she got further than I did, even. And was talking about really like liking the game, but she was kind of putting words to some of my thoughts where she was like, maybe it's just the, the kind of gamer she is, is she likes games that give her a challenge to overcome, mm -hmm. give her all the tools to do it, and then she gets the joy from finishing that challenge on, like, like by besting the challenge, basically. like, And that she likes that kind of setup. When instead, like a game like uh, Tears of the Kingdom gives her complete freedom she gets overwhelmed, and I feel that. I feel that sense of being overwhelmed with the options that you have. And I th I've been thinking about this game compared to a lot of other uh, open world games, and I think the difference for me is, I don't hate open world games, I don't hate games that give you freedom, but here's the difference. A modern open world game, you find the thing on the map, the game tells you what you're doing, and you can immediately say, yes, take me there, GPS system, and then it gives me the path to there. And once I show up, I do the thing and it's over. Tears of the Kingdom is not that game. Tears of the Kingdom says, oh, there are three shrines here. Find them. Figure it out. Also, there's going to be a robot here that tells you, hey, you can put thing, you can put this fan on here. The fan uses the charge power. Figure it out. Again, Zelda's kind of always been that way. The first NES Legend of Zelda is very open-ended in that way. It's not like this is new to video games or even new to Zelda. It's just that I kind of liked when Zelda was like, go here, do a thing. And now to have it like not hold my hand at all and be like, no, figure it out. You've got the tools. Let's do it. And I'm like, yeah, I have the tools, but it's super hard. And I'm not very good at it. And it's punishing in the way that it sends me back to my last checkpoint. And I'm like, I have to do all that over again? So you're talking about the barrier of entry where yeah. there's people who have played Zelda for 30 plus years. Yeah, which I have. Well, I know, I know well, 33, but you know what I mean. Yes. Like, I've played Zelda versus games people my entire who, life. Yeah, versus people who enter it at just Breath of the Wild or yeah. just Here's the Kingdom. So I feel like there's one of two things happening. Either I'm realizing that these games are just not for me anymore, and I just have to accept that this thing that is universally beloved and a lot of people are saying the absolute best game of the year is just not for me. Or if I miss the 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 miss the uh, the the link, no pun intended, to this game, which was Breath of the Wild, maybe I should just go back to Breath of the Wild and try it. Because from what I understand, Breath of the Wild has some of this, but all that building shit 
is removed and you're just playing an open world Zelda. Sounds a little bit more appealing and maybe more my level. So maybe maybe I should try that out to see if I'm wrong or if I'm right. I don't know. Or you wait until Spider-Man 2 releases and take that open world concept <laughs> and be in love with that version of it. So uh, our friend on chat here, uh, <laughs> hear me out, but... What if it was Zelda, but it was Groundhog Day's rules and it's super dark? See, that's the thing. <laughs> Fun fact about me, I also hated Majora's Mask. <laughs> so maybe this is just the personal the Zelda personality test. It's like, do you like when Zelda gets weird? You'll love Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> See, I loved Ocarina. I've played Ocarina to death. Majora's came out, and immediately I got anxious about the time limit. Mm -hmm. And I hated the fact that once you hit that three end of the third day, the third day I had to do sense. everything again. I was like, I was so close. I literally stop playing that game because I got to the end of the first temple and it reset right before I finished it. Yes. I was so pissed. I was just like, like 12 year old me was like, I don't play this anymore. I'm done. I'm done with you. You sucked the joy out of me with your time limit. And I tried it again when it came out on the Masters thing. <laughs> so I, I never played um, the, um, what is that game called? It's by the, the uh, Necrodancer people. Uh, what was it? Hyrule... I forget what it's called. Anyway, no, I never played it, but it sounded fun, honestly, that game. No, I'm the weird Cadence Zelda... of Hyrule? Cadence of Hyrule. I'm the weird Zelda fan whose favorite Zelda games are Wind Waker, the easiest Zelda, <laughs> yes. and um, and the, the like the Game Boy one. Like like I love the Game Boy Advance, Minish Cap. Minish Cap. I love Minish Cap. Not Four Swords? The Four Swords Adventures on the game. Yes. Like, I like the ones that... Other everybody everybody else says are too easy and simple. Oh my god, crossbow training! I loved crossbow training on the Wii. That was a good ass game. See, I just I think I just need to face it, like that these games that are designed to be very challenging, fr frictional, like like games that are very game designy mm -hmm. are just maybe just aren't my thing. I already realized that about the Souls games, and maybe I just have to realize that the direction that they're taking Zelda is just not my thing. Well, here's a good thing about those kind of games. Yeah. You don't have to play them. <laughs> I know. Instead, you can watch someone else I know. speed run them, right. break them, yep. and say, here's your game. I served it right back to you in yeah. a mangled mess. Before we talk about some of the games quick, I just want oh, to say, come on. I just want to say one real quick thing, which brings me to a follow-up from last week. I asked myself the existential question. Am I really going to play more Saints Row 2022? Yes. Well, the answer to that question, folks, is yes. I played hours more of Saints Row 2022. I think I like that game. <laughs> you think it's good now? <laughs> I think it's good. And that's the thing, is I feel like my gamer... I don't know if COVID broke my gamer brain. It could. It could have. Maybe that's what's happening here. Is I don't like... I don't think I like Tears of the Kingdom. I don't think it's for me. But man... I'm having a lot of fun with Saints Row 2022, a game that everybody hated. You just want to run around and shoot things. So the question I ask game. myself now is, do I have bad taste in video games now? No, no, that's not the question. The question <laughs> is, what is your time to actually mm. play video games now? Because the yeah. time for you lot, as a yeah. teenager in it's high school different, completely is completely different, different now from... Jobs and work and responsibility and friends and I stuff. I just think it's just Saints Row is a game that caters to me because it's a game that, like I said, I have a mission. Okay, bloop on the map. Okay, it shows me how to get there. What do I do when I get there? I shoot, shoot people everything. in the head. Yes. Once I shoot enough people in the head, it gives me another mission. It says mission I over go bloop, next objective. And it takes me to the next place where I shoot more people in the head. Yep. 
And you're telling me I can also go buy new clothes? Yes. Yeah, so customize can, my character at any time? You can do what I do and look like Guy Fieri and run around and shoot things. Sold. It's perfect. It's a perfect video game. And I don't understand why people hated it. Maybe it's because they fixed all the technical issues. But I just, I, I'm having this weird moment with myself. It's like, maybe I just, maybe this is who I am now. I just have bad taste in video games. Because uh, Saints, Row, <laughs> Saints Row 2022 didn't have any depth to it. Yeah, it was literally, yeah. run over here, shoot everything. Maybe run over I, here, yeah. kill all these enemies. Maybe I don't run over want here, it. wave after wave after wave. I just don't want, I just don't want that kind of friction, I guess, in my escapism video game time. Well, you know, that's why, like, Sometimes you play on story mode just because you want to enjoy the story. You don't want to be... I'm doing with Jedi Survivor, and I'm, that's why I'm having a blast with it. It's yeah. because it's... Yeah, but it's still a little challenging. I still have to dodge and parry, mm -hmm. but it's still like... That's why maybe, maybe this conversation is me deciding. Maybe I just call it. Maybe I just throw in the towel on Zelda. I was just so conflicted. I was like, I feel like everybody is saying this is a perfect video game. and I'm... Maybe I'm wrong. Like, but but why keep trying something that I'm not having fun with? Right. And so maybe I just throw in the towel and just mainline the rest of Jedi Survivor because it that sounds a way better time it than is. trying to get up that mountain in Zelda. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you. Sh I need you to try Yoshi Kingdom. Yeah. I will. Maybe that's the solution to this. Is maybe I just lend you the cart. Okay. Because I want to get your take. I'll see how far I can get. Yeah, I want to get your take on 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 Zelda because I bouncing right off of this thing. Right, so and people are saying it's the best game they've ever played. Really? Yeah. I, know, I mean, I know. I see, we see the 10 out of 10s. We see all the hype around it. Yeah, like Jan from Giant Bomb said it was his favorite. He thinks it's, it's his favorite game now. I'm just like, and Jan's not somebody who likes those kind of games. I mean, well, maybe he likes the Souls games. But like, I'm just like, what is happening to me? Like, I don't, I should love this. I mean, you, you just kind of mentioned it right now, but like when all the Souls games came mm -hmm. out, yeah. and people loved that, and then Elden Ring came out, people loved it. But I know I don't like Souls games. I don't like Elden Ring. It's not yeah. my favorite game. I mean, I had a, we had I'm a, still champion uh, God of War over here. I remember we had a similar conversation when Horizon uh, Forbidden West came out. It's like, why do we love this, and why is everybody taking a giant shit on it? Well, even Forbidden, even uh, Forbidden West. Or no, Zero Dawn when it came out. Yeah. I was very anti it. And then once I started I loved, playing it, I, loved it. I got yeah, into I, it. I was the one who convinced you to play it. Yeah. And then, yeah, I like those games because, yeah, sure, it's not, there's not a lot of friction. But I don't want the friction. I don't know. I feel like, yeah, so a little bit of an existential crisis in my 30s about video games. But that's for me to figure out. I'm happy for everybody who loves Zelda. I'm happy that they gave you a game that's for you. Great. I hope it wins. Just like Elden Ring, I hope it wins all the Game of the Year awards. I hope everybody's happy with it. I hope it's the thing that everybody wanted it to be. Because, cool. Have fun. I'll be over here playing my easy games because I just want to play easy games now. I'm over here waiting for uh, <laughs> Spider-Man 2. Yeah, Spider-Man 2 was fun. Yeah. Yeah. This is a fun video game. But, as I mentioned, if you want to see yes. people have fun yes. destroying your favorite video games. I am excited for some Summer Games Done Quick. Summer Games Done Quick, uh, benefiting the uh, Doctors Without Borders yes. Foundation, uh, their Summer Games, starts tomorrow, as of this recording, on Sunday, uh, May 28th, and it runs through the entire week. And speaking of Zelda Breath of the Wild, there is someone who will play that game and beat it <laughs> blindfolded. Wow. And if you want to see how that's done, <laughs> go check out uh, their schedule. I think that's a Friday thing. Um, it's either Friday or Saturdays because one of like the 
and then like start of the weekend ones. All right. Uh, but yeah, cool. uh, check out their schedule on uh, Games Done Quick. Uh, it's great. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's uh, starts 10 a.m. Pacific time. All right. Uh, you can find it on Twitch.tv slash Games Done Quick. Speaking of Minish Cap, somebody's doing an 80% Minish Cap run. Uh, yeah, uh, we got Bug Snacks on there. Um, <laughs> a bunch of running. I, I did not see. I didn't see any um, like Pokemon blocks, but although sure. I'm sure it's somewhere in here, maybe uh, a bunch of Zelda thrown anywhere between here. A little between world. That was a good Zelda game. See, they, they, I don't dislike Zelda games. Yep. Uh, the I Disney. Yep, I uh, saw that one. Uh, the old Disney block between uh, 102 Dalmatians and Ratatouille Honestly, for oh the my. GameCube. I, I I'm very curious about a High Fire Rush run. Like that game. Wow. I gotta yes. see that speedrun. Well, you know, they're gonna hit, like, everything. Yeah, uh, Dead Rising 2. Uh, Goosebumps, Dead and Night. <laughs> uh, the new... Uh, not, sorry, that's not the new game. Uh, Sifu. Oh, yeah, Sifu. Yes. Uh, N++, always a fun one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Paper Mario. Oh, cool. Uh, where's the, uh, like, races that they do? Oh, yeah, you gotta love a Mario race. Yep. Uh, Final Fight 3 co-op 80%. Cool. Which we're trying to remaster. Ooh, that'll be a good one. Oh, there you go. Pokemon Coliseum. Oh, Jesus. Oh, there's your Four Swords. Zelda Four nice, Swords. Nice, uh, 80% co-op. Uh, 30 minutes to... <laughs> wow. That's insane. 30 minutes for that. Uh, yeah, good. Yep. Uh, 64... Super Mario 64 Randomizer. Oh, fun. Uh, oh, Kingdom Hearts Race. Proud 80% at 10.48 at night. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Oh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Oh, there you go. Specifically oh. Victory Road. Yep. Uh, and Super Mario Maker 2 Race. That's what I'm looking for. And then right after that is the uh, Breath of the Wild. So yeah, that's Saturday. You get cool. Elden Ring, 80%. Oh, sorry. So... Next Saturday, you get Pokemon Scarlet okay. Violet, Victory Road, Elden Ring, followed by Super Mario Maker 2 yeah. Race, Great. Relay Race, and Zelda Breath of the Wild, 80% blindfolded. Perfect. It's a great Saturday night. Yeah, that'll be cool. And then right into Sunday, where they will end uh, Sunday at midnight with Super Metroid. There we go. Next Saturday, we'll get we'll get uh, Olive Garden, binge on pasta, come back and watch. Yes, <laughs> runs of video games. Sounds deal. Great. Yes, right. and yes, save the frames, kill, kill the animals. animals. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyways, uh, that's our week. Next week, we so will be playing video that. games. We'll be watching people break video games. Sounds good. All right. Let's move on, because this has been a luxuriously paced podcast. Oh, yes. You know how we've been speeding <laughs> through these like the past two, nope, three nope. weeks? We're stretching this one uh, out. Oh, yes. You know, it's because it's we're back in person now. Just stretch yes. out. We have nothing yes. going on today. We're just doing <laughs> this. This is the only thing we have. Summer vibes. All right, let's move into the second half of the show, where we talk about first television, and we all start the television section with the sports corner. Sports corner. All right. So, meanwhile, PGA Championship. Michael Block hit a hole-in-one and won some championship fans. Yes, he did not win the tournament, but fans hitting a hole-in-one, basically, he dunked it. Yep. Just completely no bounce, right in the cup, Hell yeah. hit it. Just, it's a perfect, like, 
literally a perfect shot in golf. So you'll never see this, like maybe twice in your lifetime. Yeah, just perfect dunk. Uh, one basically, it secured uh, not only a extra hundred thousand uh, dollars, but also secured his uh, spot in next year's PGA Championship. Uh, no more, no entry fee, just automatically entered. All right. Uh, which is great for for a journeyman like him who's mm-hmm. been in this for like ten years now. Yeah. But ultimately, we do have an actual winner. Brooks Kepka yes. from the Live Golf Tour Ugh. won the PGA Championship, but also kind of voices kind of displaced with uh, taking the Live Golf money right now. So sure, but <laughs> it I, is what it is. They they might all be at the end of this. Yes. So well, yeah. So I mean, it seemed like it made sense, but yeah, you're right. The extra drama kind of complicates it a bit. What else do we got? So, um, NBA playoffs continue. The Nuggets swept the Lakers. Heat right now are up uh, one game against the Celtics, 3-2. Um, so, we will see what happens with that. Uh, yeah, the Heat were up 3-0, but the Celtics have clawed the way back to yeah. two games. Uh, so, now both Game 6 and Game 7 get played. Yeah. Like a Game 7. because yeah. it's always love a Game 7. I mean, Stakes I mean, are highest. Delicious steaks are high this Memorial Day weekend. Steaks are the highest they can ever get. Meanwhile, uh, meanwhile the Nuggets are just going to get all the rest they can until <laughs> June 1st. Right. Meanwhile, meanwhile, in hockey, the NHL playoffs continue. The Panthers swept the Hurricanes. But meanwhile, Vegas and Dallas still sparring 3-1 in Vegas' uh, favor. Game 2 plays... Or, sorry, not Game 2. Uh, game 5 takes place tonight. Uh, Vegas looking to close it out. Yeah. Dallas looking to stay alive once again. That one also... Went three and zero. All four yeah. of these games went to three and zero for potential sweeps, and only two of them hit actual sweeps. Well, again, it sounds like uh, it sounds like they're pretty well uh, matched, at least in those ones. Uh, also, for that uh, Dallas Vegas Dallas uh, series, three out of those four games have gone into overtime. Wow! And even that first game went into four. Tri- o- yeah, what was it? Triple or three? Four. Yeah, quadruple four, overtime. Yeah, quadruple overtime. That's a long ass hockey game. And yet they still have more to play. Hockey's <laughs> not, not built to go that long. No. No. And then uh, lastly, if you care about Premier League soccer, well, Manchester City took it. Uh, on a technicality. Oh. Uh, because uh, due to the point system, Arsenal beat uh, whoever was in second place. And basically when they beat them, they ensured that no one could catch Manchester City in points. Mm. Thus, they win the Premier League. Fair enough. Even though there's still like this week left to play, okay. it's kind of like when you wrap up the division. Even though there's still like two weeks left in the season mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. U.S. sports, Premier League they work on points. Kind of the same thing. Who can say? Anything else in sports before we move on? Uh, sports um, entertainment uh, gets an afternoon delight as they yes. are in Saudi Arabia uh, this weekend. So that is happening. Um, anything going on in baseball? Not really. Um, um, how, how June. Uh, yeah, we're so, rapidly approaching the trade deadline. Uh, well, well, one, we're, we're approaching the trade deadline. Yeah. And two, uh, we are approaching the start of all-star voting. Yes, yes. All-star voting begins in June for the full month before we get into July with the all-star break. So 
get those votes in. Looking for some rookies. Zach Nettle. Zach Nettle. Sorry. I had something in my throat. Yeah. Uh, she, she go down uh, the hospital on Drury Lane to fix that. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. You're not yes. wrong. We got some hot stuff. Oh, hot, too, oh man, too bad about Ohapi, honestly. If yes. he was still playing, if he wasn't hurt, that would be a conversation. All-star votings happening soon for yeah. baseball. Yep. Uh, I think that's the only... Yeah, I think so. I think that's the thing. biggest thing coming up. Oh, um, there was that one, I don't know, small... Slash big story of the A's announcer officially yes, being right fired fired after for his he, comments. Um, yeah, he, he, he said something he should not have said. Yep, misspoke. Uh, but they deemed it was enough to let him go. Okay. Also deemed enough to let him go before one the season ends and two they moved to Vegas. So, All right, fair enough. Um, once again, watch what you say. Yeah. And also watch what you put on. Your streaming service. All right, so that brings us to our uh, biggest television headline this week, which was about Max, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery's newly launched streaming service that's actually not new. It's just a rebrand and consolidation of their existing streaming services, HBO Max and Discovery+. Plus. But they didn't really want to get rid of HBO Max in fully because the A in that Max is the HBO (laughs) O symbol with the O in the middle. But anyway, but that weirdly enough, though, this story is not about that service launching. It's about something that that service included uh, that they're now quickly, quickly trying to reel back. So uh, the original launch of Max lumped film directors and writers under a single creators heading in the info section, a change that prompted a backlash from filmmakers and Hollywood's directors and writers guilds. Basically, for context, in the previous version on HBO Max, it would show writer, director, you know, etc. Director, one name or two names. Yeah. Writers or writers, yeah. like six names. As Everyone ex- credited. As you would expect in a IMDb style crediting system. Yes. What this change did was they were just a creator's section and then everybody was just thrown in underneath that. People noticed it uh, with Martin Scorsese being thrown into the, a creator's tag instead of that of a director. Yes, for a Raging Bull. That was the one that was mm-hmm. uh, being shared the around everywhere. Going yeah. around. Now, the company says it is reverting the listings back to how they were originally presented on HBO Max, blaming the issue on a technical oversight. Uh, do note that as of this current it recording, still it still fixed. has not been fixed. Okay. Uh, I mean, we'll pull it up. But, uh, currently, I have... <laughs> I saw it yesterday. It still had not been fixed. Okay. So like, if we go to here, to, to detail. rich Asians here, too. Under detail. It does still say creators. Yeah. Yes. So, like, even though John Chu directed Crazy Rich Asians, he is second filled yeah. due to uh, alphabetical first name. It's a weird choice, is what I will say. Yes. Not alphabetical last name. Alphabetical first name. All right. Moving back to the story here. Um, so Max's move to consolidate under the single creators listing drew ire amid the ongoing WGA strike as the union is seeking to reach a new contract with major studios through the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. WGA West President Meredith Steyam said, quote, Warner Brothers has lumped writers, directors, and producers into an invented, diminishing category they call creators. This is a credits violation, for starters, but worse, it is a disrespectful and insulting to the artist's that make the films and TV shows that make their corporations billions. 
This tone-deaf disregard for writer's importance is what brought us to where we are today, day 22 of our strike. Uh, 23, I want to say, as of this recording. And quote, Mac launched in the U.S. on May 23rd with what appeared to be only minor technical issues. That came two days after WB of Warner Brothers Discovery chief David Zaslav was booed during his commencement address at Boston University with the crowd heckling the CEO with chants of pay your writers. That uh, made me very happy to Chant, see. Chanted clock. Yes, pay your writers. It was good. It was good shit. Yes. Anyway, so yeah, this is embarrassing. This is stupid. This is pointless. I'm glad that they said, at least on the record, that they plan on changing it. Yes. But they man, plan you on already have the writer striking, and you also have the threat of a... Um, DGA strike. A DGA and strike a and a SAG, SAG strike. strike. So it's like, if everybody strikes at once, there's no business. Yep. So, yeah, I have no idea what is going to happen. And just throwing everyone under a single title of creators just once again yeah. shows that you do not care. Right. That you're, they're just names on a project that just because you own the IP doesn't mean that it goes anywhere without create without all these creatives behind it who in contracts right literal contracts written out state you have to separate them under specific names in writers directors actors uh, and everyone else below it it's just amazingly dumb it's like um, watching a film Get to the end and just say, health created by, and then list everyone alphabetical order to not break anything down. It's a disgrace. It's terrible. It's um, actually kind of curious as to why we don't put um, our own names on our own projects. Yeah. Well, we're just under media boat. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, no, on, on the website, I think stories are individually credited to okay. us if one of us wrote it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yes. But I know what you mean. Yeah. It's like, it's if you're going to credit... I also use the <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Sorry. So you can choose your avatar and Max now, and um, well, you could do it before. It resets but... it though. It was uh, like it gives you more options than it yes. did in the past. And yes, I chose Guy Fieri. Yes. Because that's who I want to greet me every time I go into Max. I want it to just be Jet Guy Fieri's face right in front of me every yeah. single time. So uh, with that, I think we can talk about just the new Max outfit now. Uh, I don't like it. I like the HBO Max where you can break it down into the different um, tiles and sections immediately. No such thing here. You just have your home screen, your series screen, and then your search screen. Your mo- home series movies and then new and notable. There is no easy way to get to just mm-hmm. Food Network. Just No, it's uh, a discovery. bad UI, honestly. Yeah. It doesn't make much sense. You have to scroll through everything. And it's even worse on the PlayStation, where yeah. if I'm using the PlayStation remote, it will still prompt me to push a uh, like a triangle square or circle button, which is not on the PlayStation remote. Uh, why would they do that? But it will still prompt me to say, hey, would you like more information? Press the square button. Oh. But I'm using the PlayStation remote, so I don't have a square button on this. Also, on top of all of this, so I mentioned pre-pod that they are now... Uh, have a $19.99 a month tier for 4K and only Atmos. Yes. And to make that weir- worse um, is that that, that Dolby, uh, uh, Vision, Dolby Vision is not even working right now. Uh, apparently all the stuff that should be working on, like my Apple TV, it's not, cli- it's not clicking through. I'm getting 4K, but I'm not getting Dolby Vision yet. And they said they're working on it. Like, how can, they, how can this be so broken at, at, at the jump? But whatever. 
Anyway, so yes, Max is a thing you can do now. Yes. Um, if you're interested in watching Discovery shit with your HBO shit, now you can. Yes, all slapped in there. Also, they break out between HBO and anything that was HBO Max Originals. Right, separate. It's just Max Originals. So, if you were confusing the two between what's considered HBO and what's considered an original, now you they're going to do a, like a clean break of just Max Originals. Right next to your TLC, right next to your HGTV, right next to your DC. It is what it is, but I'm sure we'll have more impressions as we spend some more time with Max. Yes. All right, let's move on. Um, What's our second story? Our second story takes us across the streams, uh, across (laughs) the stream, uh, to Netflix. Yes, Netflix is back in the news for something we knew was coming, but it's finally here. They are rolling out a crackdown on password sharing. So check your emails. More than a year after the pivot was first announced. They are limiting password sharing to people living in the same household. Account holders can add more people outside the household for an additional eight bucks a month. Or they can use, quote, transfer profile feature to prompt extra users to make their own accounts that they pay for. Netflix said out-of-household users should have begun receiving emails about the change on Tuesday. In March, back in 2022, the company said that while it had encouraged account sharing in the past, with features such as profiles and multiple streams, the practices have been, quote, impacting our ability to invest in great new TV and film for our members, and also their ability to cancel things after two seasons. Sorry, editors. Okay, but editors, let's yeah. talk about the money, though. <laughs> According to the company, more than 100 million households participate in password sharing, and had 232.5 million subscribers as of April. But it still generates about $10 billion. I don't know. I wouldn't worry too much about this. I think that as soon, uh, until they yell at you, I don't think there's any alarm uh, to actually do anything about this. You're probably fine. Well, I know I'm fine because <laughs> we obeyed Netflix's rules. Yeah, we, yeah, yes. Well, yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't do anything um, bad. We're good people. Yes. Yeah, we don't do anything yes. like that. No, no, that's just a tax loophole. All right, so let's try to quickly go through these these uh, these shows here. We watched uh, some shows this week. Yes, we watched some shows this week. Uh, speaking of Max, I want to talk real briefly about Milf Manor. Why? Because I was only able to get through thirty minutes of it. Oh yeah. Uh, this is a new show on Max. Um, I bring it up because once again, looking through um, trash TV as we do. Uh, dating shows and like oh like mismatched uh, let's go film in Mexico for this resort mm-hmm. uh, Milf Manor uh, piqued our interest and we could only get through 30 minutes of the show because it is literal Milf Manor with um, these moms who are uh, older like 40 something 50 something moms who go on uh, this dating show in order to meet younger men who are, you know, roughly their son's ages. But here's the twist. In order to meet these um, child, these yes, little children who are their son's ages, yeah. they will be surrounded by said children, a.k.a. their actual sons. So it is literally mom- and son on the same dating show with other moms right. and sons. Kind of similar to that siblings thing. Yes, except way. with the siblings thing, they're all at least all the same age. Right. This and is, this is just puts a straight up mirror to your face saying, 
MILF man, like, you being a MILF, want to chase these young boys who are also your son's age. Well, here's your literal son with people of his own age doing the exact same thing. Which one is more creepy? Or which one is more acceptable, I guess? Technically, they're all consenting adults on this, so have at it. Yeah, but at the same time, um, you know, putting like an actual like mirror to whoever watches this. Yeah. Why I could only get through about 30 minutes of it. It feels like something that should have come out like a decade ago. It did. It feels like the, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, 30 Rock made fun of it. But, yes. But uh, like, like the, the concept of it. Oh, shit, I just remembered. Uh, watch something else that we I can talk about. Oh, man, this episode's never going to end. Is it this one? Yeah, I watched Clone High. Uh, uh, we'll talk about it in a moment. Yes. Uh, I am currently going through Clone High right here. Episode 4. <laughs> okay. The original scene. The original, yes. yes. Yeah, anyway. I've had to catch up, but yeah. Uh, well, we can talk about that, because that's a lot more yeah. our speed, because... <laughs> So you tried and failed. I to tried get and failed. Yes, could not get through it. Good to know. All right, what else did we watch this week? Uh, Clone High. The, yeah. The reboot of so, Clone High. So yeah, so you had not, so it seems like you're watching the original series. You had not. I'd watched it when it was on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Like 10 years ago. Uh, so I'm watching it again uh, just to like catch up and like, oh yeah, these were jokes made in the early 2000s. <laughs> right. Which uh, is actually a perfect segue into the premiere of the new one. Yes. So basically, uh, the conceit here is is that all the clones were frozen on prom night twenty years ago, and yes. now they're being thawed out to exist again. Basically, the same setup as the original. Um, just move forward into a current timeline where they're dealing with other recently uh, other cl clones who are now purportedly of this generation. So there's a little bit, what you have here is a little bit of a Gen Z versus Millennial kind of vibe. Thought. Layer to it. Yeah, extra thought, because they're being frozen in time of 20, 2003, I think yeah, it was. 2003, yeah. It was into 2023 now. Right. So that's some fun with that premise. The, uh, the pilot is mostly about that premise and mm -hmm. sets up like, oh, this character from the original is so out of touch that he's saying a bunch of stuff that he shouldn't be. They talk a little bit about cancel culture. And it's like, it walks such a very tight, like, tight, tightrope. But ultimately, I feel like they did it pretty well. I thought it was a pretty funny episode. By the end of it, I was like, all right, sure. They even come up with a pretty good uh, solution to people who are getting canceled. Yes, I would like everybody to get in, everybody who who's said something awful to get in line and uh, douse their paper cuts with uh, hot sauce. Yes, I would like that. That's a good solution. <laughs> Thank you, Clone High. Um, but, but yeah, I think ultimately it still holds up. I think it's pretty funny. Um, I mean, of course. Phil Lord and Chris Miller. We trust them with our lives. Uh, they never disappoint. We'll trust them next week when we talk <laughs> about Spider-Man. I'm sure. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm not super surprised that it holds up and it's still funny. Um, but yeah, uh, we're having a blast with it. First two episodes of the new series are up right now on Max. Uh, it will be a oh, weekly, weekly series of uh, yes. two weeks I have time going to, forward. I have time to catch up. Yeah, so you have some time to catch up on the original. If you haven't watched the original yet, like you said, it's all on Max. Yep. Speaking of time to catch up, yes. Succession. Yes. I've officially caught up. Okay. Uh, I am on uh, episode nine of this past Sunday. I just got to watch that uh, in preparation for this Sunday's finale. So I will have my Succession thoughts full and complete next week. Also, if you want to catch up and be with us as we say a cheerful goodbye to Ted Lasso, 
which also ends next yes, week. Yes. You have one week to catch up, and we will talk endlessly about it. All right. Yeah, we will. Well, I have some thoughts about Ted Lasso. Oh, yeah. Thoughts. Today. I have some thoughts. Next week. We'll get through all of that next week, both okay. Succession and Ted Lasso. I'll just real briefly go through one more show I finished this week. Um, so I mentioned Freeform's Single Drunk Female. Mm-hmm. Um, I finally, it was all dropped on one day at Hulu. I chose instead to watch it weekly. But ultimately I succumbed and finished it when I was <laughs> locked up in, with COVID. Um, I really, really liked what they did in the season. I think they, they came to a really good conclusion. Um, they wrapped up a lot of stuff from season one. Um, a lot of, I like where the characters are at right now. I like a lot of it. Um, that show was just completely, I, I feel like everybody's sleeping on this thing. I think it's wonderful television. I think they're doing a spectacular job, and because it's on Freeform, nobody cares. Mm-hmm. So here's my PSA. Check it out. It's really good. <laughs> uh, speaking of stuff I've been on going so long, I'm like cable. having a hard time talking. <laughs> speaking of stuff on cable, a show that I'm going to check out and see if I can check it out again. Uh, there was a preview for the Lazarus Project on TNT. Oh, yeah. They've been, adver- I mean, it feels like it's Tenet or Groundhog Day, where it's uh, right. kind of a time loop time scenario. Time manipulation and stuff. And time manipulation. I plan on checking that out um, before the series actually premieres cool. in the summer. They've been advertising heavy because of the NBA playoffs. Right. I'll be checking that out. Uh, but in the meantime, I finally got my doctor to watch Hacks with me. Oh, okay. So we're watching that. Uh Still fun, still good. Um, but uh, in terms of, uh, let's move over to Disney Plus real quick. Okay. One show that we both watched did not finish, even though it all dropped. Although it probably shouldn't have dropped. Both of your weekly episode. <laughs> uh, American American Ch- born Chinese. Chinese. Uh, yes, based on the graphic novel of the same name. Yes. Christy's a big fan. She apparently read it and loves it. And so she was con- uh, curious about how they would do an adaptation, considering um, the fantasy stuff that's in the, the, the graphic novel she said would be difficult to adapt mm-hmm. um, and yeah sure enough um, judging by the, the vibe of the um, the first episode it seems like a really interesting fusion of like slice of life high school stuff and this fantasy Chinese folklore like uh, Journey vibe. of the West vibe exactly Journey, Journey of the West it's a, it's a version of the Journey of the West story mm-hmm. like alright cool but yeah neither of us finished um, the series, we're still getting through it. Uh, maybe we'll talk about more. Of it we next got, week. we both got through the first episode. They more almost did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, more or less. Uh, but we'll see if we can continue with that, and yeah. we'll have thoughts on that next week. Uh, but something else on Disney Plus. Uh, technically, it's under National Geographic. Yeah. Uh, a small light. Right. This is Nazi Germany Holocaust. Yeah. Uh, this is also. The Diary of Anne Frank, but not the Diary of Anne Frank. It is through the uh, character of Meep, the uh, Otto Frank secretary, and her experience. More of an amalgamation of her experience and other like-minded uh, mm-hmm. experiences. As they say right up front in the front of every episode, this is not. This is a representation of dramatic events. Characters, names, and places have been uh, changed. Ca- changed in order to tell a more cohesive story. Right. So while all of these did not happen specifically to this character, it's more <laughs> or less an amalgamation of events that did happen during Nazi-occupied Germany. Right. Uh, sorry, Amsterdam. Uh, Nazi-occupied Amsterdam and 
told through the lens of the story of Anne Frank and Anne Frank, the diary of Anne Frank. And okay. How, more or less, how, how we've seen um, the diary of Anne Frank played out, not just in the book, but also on screen. And also in play format, focuses more on the family in hiding. This deals with the characters who risk their lives to keep them in hiding and risk their lives to help other people hide and get out of Nazi-occupied uh, Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Leo Schreiber as Otto Frank steals every scene he's in this thing. <laughs> then again, he is also a really, really good actor. Right. Uh, but that also kind of plays to the detriment and shows how weak of an acting everyone else does around him, though. While he's good in this, everyone else is trying to play catch-up to his level in this. Yeah. Uh, so the acting and kind of the uh, subject matter does falter every now and then. It does get... It's hard to say if this is like a good documentary or not, because there is stuff that is good. There is stuff that is poignant about this. But because it's played up significantly to heightened dramatic effect, how much of that is lost and gets played into, well, we're doing this for dramatic sake. It did happen. Stuff like this did happen, but we need to help tell a better story than what actually happened. Okay. Uh, All that being said, the ending is great. The actual, like, final two episodes are great. It's the previous six that lead up to it that stretches I think feel like it stretches it out a bit too much at times. <laughs> uh, but if you are in history class or <laughs> taking um, in high school and want to learn more about it, a small light, it's there on Disney Plus. Cool. All right. All right, perfect. Anything else on TV before we move on? Um, I'm going to be watching some NBA finals shortly here, some sports finals as we get into June, which is yeah. On Thursday. Oh, and um, uh, Jeopardy Masters wrapped up? Oh, yes. That's right. We talked about Jeopardy Masters. Eh, it's fine. There's not really much to say. The person you thought would win, win. Won. Uh, yeah, the person who should have won. Yeah. Missed it at the end because they didn't get a raise. Yeah. You know, if Matea had bet zero, she would have won. I know. She didn't do the math. Well. She didn't do the math. Also, James should have bet it all the first one just to, like, secure it. It was, it was pretty much what I figured was going to happen. Yes, but it is funny going for Jeopardy Masters back to regular Jeopardy. I'm like, oh, yeah. oh that's easy. Yeah. I know that. How like, this? Oh, wow. it's just, yeah, it's whiplash for yes. sure. All right, let's move on to cancellations and renewals. All right, what am I no longer watching? Paramount Plus has renewed The Family Stallone for a second season. Ha-ha, I Guess see what that's about. There. Prime Video is bringing back Citadel for a second season. HBO wrapping up How To with John Wilson after three seasons. And now we have some deaths. Sorry, guys. It's a rough week again this week. First up, James Lewis, age 63, singer from the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Jerry Krause, yes, that Jerry Krause, age 87, Hall of Fame basketball coach, uh, famously of the Gonzaga Gonzaga Bulldogs. 30 years years as their head coach. Yes. And then, of course, the one that uh, sent ripples through the music industry this week, Tina Turner. Age 83. You know who Tina Turner is. I don't have to tell you. Hall of Fame singer, What's Love Got to Do With It? River Deep Mountain High. And of course, even an actress. She was in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. I don't and know why listed that one specifically, sure. but that's what it did. Eight times Grammy winner, but yes, everybody knows Tina Turner. She was an indelible talent, and yes, she will be missed. 
Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on into the last section today, movies, where we start with the box office numbers. Your number one movie is, of course, Fast 10 with a $67 million debut. I think that was a little lower than what people had uh, estimated it at, yeah. but still not terrible. I mean, I, wanna, I don't know if this is because it's post-pandemic or because it's the 10th version of this yeah. thing. Also, I think maybe if they had waited until this weekend and done a Memorial, Memorial Day, weekend, I bet it would probably would have done better. Yeah, but you know, Little Mermaid already had that wrapped up. Yeah, I guess so. Number two, Guardians Galaxy Volume 3 with another $32 million at the 266. Number three, the Super Mario Brothers movie. It may be available for digital download, but still hitting the box office hard. $9.6 million this week. That's at five forty nine. So across at least five fifty. Oh yeah. And probably won't hit six hundred. No, it'll probably crawl close, but it won't make it. Okay. Number four, book club, the next chapter with another three point uh, three million dollars. That's at thirteen. And rounding out your top five, Evil Dead Rise with two point four, adding to a sixty four million dollar domestic total. Moving on to this week's new releases. The Little Mermaid is already splashing, and it's time for Spider-Man. Thwip, thwip. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse comes out in theaters this week, so get ready. I am planning on seeing this, uh, depending on how tonight goes, either <laughs> Thursday or Friday. There you come. Uh, but I will have thoughts on Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse next week. All right. Look forward to that. Let's move into some movie uh, movie news this week. First up, Romeo and Juliet. This is a wrap-up of a story we covered a couple months ago. Yeah, a judge on Thursday said she will throw out a lawsuit about a nude scene in the 1968 version of Romeo and Juliet after finding that the film is protected by the First Amendment. I like that the way that's phrased, finding. Yes. Is. Like, we kind of knew that. Stars of the film Olivia Hussey and Leonard Whiting filed the suit in December, alleging that they were coerced by director Franco Zeffirelli and to performing nude in the film's bedroom scene. Hussey was 16 at the time of filming. Whiting was 17. Judge Allison McKenzie granted Paramount's motion to throw out the suit, rejecting the plaintiff's argument that the nude scene amounted to, quote, child pornography, unquote. Plaintiffs have not put forth any authority showing the film here can be deemed to be sufficiently sexually suggestive as a matter to law to be held con conclusively illegal. That's a very legalese explanation <laughs> of it. That was the, what the judge wrote. The plaintiff's argument on the subject is limited to cherry-picked language from federal and state statutes without offering any authority regarding the interpretation or application of those statutory provisions to perverted works of artistic merit, such as the award-winning film at issue here. Again, a lot of legalese to basically just say they figure that because it's a film and because it's art, that the First Amendment protects it, mm -hmm. and also statutes of limitations they probably determined were up. Um, well, they were, except yeah. uh, when California and COVID hit, they right. released the statute of limitations. They moved it back. So they moved it back, which I, means that's why they filed. Yeah. But I, they I, have yet to actually produce like any uh, physical evidence that's amount the the scenes in question to child pornography. Yeah. Especially when you have the surrounding scenes of it purport to right. the film Romeo and Juliet. So it's not, so I think what we can safely say, is it child pornography? Probably not. Is it icky? Absolutely. And yes. keep that in mind if you're ever going to show this version to say high school or something, then maybe choose a different version to show. Except the Baz Luhrmann 1997 yeah, version. Yeah, don't do that one either. It's, it's really weird and, weird and um, Even though Leo's in it, don't do it. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. This is, I don't love this, it's, but ultimately it makes sense to the decision that they reached. You show Nomeo and Juliet. Yeah, yeah, just show Nomeo and Juliet. It's fine. 
Yes. And then moving on to our second story, in Marvel is back, WGA Strike has placed two future Marvel films on pause. Marvel's Thunderbolts, which was the single the end of Phase 4, and Blade, which was, begin, which was scheduled to begin Phase 5, have both paused production. Marvel is known for frequently rewriting its films during the production process, making it extremely difficult to proceed during a writer's strike. So Thunderbolts was scheduled to begin shooting at Atlanta next month, now plans to resume production after the strike is resolved. Yes, so that was supposed to be released end of next year? Yeah, I want to say end of next year, okay. of 2025. That was in production, and then it's supposed to end 2025, mm-hmm. 2024, 2025. I'll push that back. But that's going to get pushed back, and then once again, Blade, which we've seen have trouble with finding a director to stick, <laughs> now has trouble with writers to stick. Yeah, needless to say. That, uh, poor Mahershal Ali. Yeah, it's rough, rough times. But yes, hopefully. Cannot get that off the ground. Hopefully the studios will figure out how to make good to the writers and we won't have to worry about this anymore. All right, but we are worried about time here. Yeah, we had some movies to talk about. I saw Mario. I'll be brief. Okay. Everything you, I agree with everything you said about your take about it. I hate the, the, the song choices that they did because the score is so good. I just want to hear more of it. You don't like the needle drops? I do not think. They were too on the nose for me. Yes. Every single one, I was like, come on. There's a better choice here. You refused to do it. You did the first choice anybody could think of, and you stuck with it. Mm-hmm. I think the story was basically non-existent. I think some of the references were cute. I was constantly noticing Mario stuff. But, on, but ultimately, the movie needs to be better for that stuff to matter. And I just thought it was a huge nothing. Like, it just... It you you did so what fun. I did, which was you liked all the stuff in the background, right, and but nothing in the foreground. That the story's kind of boring. They don't do anything with the characters. There's no no character arcs for anyone. What do you mean? Mario eats a mushroom. That's his character arc. Yeah, no, not strong enough. And even the dad stuff is whiffed. It's like they barely do anything with the dad stuff. There's like a line. Like even Christy was like, "Yeah, they got they got eaten by the eel." And then they're mad at each other for, like, three minutes. And then all of a sudden, Donkey Kong sees a barrel to escape. And then all of a sudden, they're best friends. Mm-hmm. What are we doing here? Like, there's no stakes. No, at no point does it feel like there's anyone is in peril. Like, the, the weird suicidal Luma is really off-putting. Uh, like, Did you at least like the Mad Max references? It's fine, <laughs> but, like, it's like... I guess Mad Max is like... Eight years ago, the now? Mario Kart stuff is fine. Blue shells don't work like that. They're not kamikaze Koopas. I'm just oh, saying. that's what they say, though. <laughs> I don't know. It's just—it's weird. It's just such a weird movie that's weirdly violent and weirdly obsessed with death. Mm-hmm. It's just like everything I don't like about Illumination is here, and it was just like, all right, this is just—it's not necessarily bad. It's entertaining, but man, what a weird movie. Also not for you. It's for the kids. No, but even for kids, there's way better movies. I don't just, I don't get it. I don't get why it, it was made in the way it was. Probably ultimately the answer to that question is Nintendo had a very specific things that they wanted to do and very specific things that they said no to. Yes. And I'm sure that's why you end up with this script. Yes. Anyway, sorry. That sounds but, very yeah, familiar because I also after. watched a uh, amalgamation of executive decisions uh-huh. in Shazam, oh. Fury of the Gods. Boy, yeah. Uh, so this is the sequel and then delayed release and delayed release and delayed release of Shazam. Uh, and I don't know what this movie was trying to say. <laughs> it talks about a lot about family and uh, sticking together and uh-huh. like 
trying to be stick together, so, but except kids do indeed grow up and need to move out of the house. <laughs> except we don't want everyone to move out of the house because but what we about are a kids family. who are also superheroes. Oh, see, they have to work together as a team. They need to stay together. You can't just leave and flap your wings and fly solo. No, uh, we need to stick together. Sure. Except when you have an antagonist that is literally doing the exact same thing and is trying to show that, yes, you can stick together, but sticking together means you will eventually like drive each other insane and break apart. Uh-huh. Except the hero doesn't realize that. Of course. And there's your conflict. Sort of. Sort of. It's kind of like <laughs> the, the basic of the yeah. conflict here. and At least it has a conflict. Yeah. There's also, like, try to throw in some Greek mythology with, like, the daughters of Atlas and Atlas and Shrugging and Golden Apples <laughs> and the labors of Hercules trying to pick a golden apple. Sure. Except it's very thrown out the window. It's yeah. very, like, hey, let's use this Greek mythology, but also we need to make it super kid-friendly. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of ideas for not a whole lot of payoff. Yes, even the, the cameos at, that they try to throw in at the end of Shoehorn it don't particularly work too well and it's uh it's a mess are we happy that we're moving away from all of this in the dc universe kind of yeah yeah they're just ready to just all right none of this Except, matters i don't know if we are because the post credit <laughs> scene is very specifically to the peacemaker oh, people who yeah. show up and try and recruit him so which is a weird like, choice to have the very R-rated franchise meet your PG-13 movie. Yes, it's also a very weird choice if James Gunn wants to keep uh, just Zachary Levi in this thing and say, we're going to kidnap you, which is kidnapping a child <laughs> just to uh, work with the Justice Society. Don't love that. Which is, by the way, Justice Society is different from Justice the Justice League. League. Right. Yes. Yes. Oh, comic books. Anyway. Anyways, it's seems very haphazardly thrown together. Okay. There are some things that work, but most of it doesn't work, especially when you're trying to like drive home the fact that these are kids, right, playing superheroes. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a one you can safely avoid. Yes. Uh, but it was dropped as part of like, hey, Max is being rebranded, so we're also right. gonna have a. Here it is. Here's your pr- premiere of the week. There you go. All right. And lastly. And lastly, uh, I watched the Jack Harlow starring. <laughs> White men can't jump. Yes, yeah, a remake of the original film, which starred Woody Harrelson yeah. and uh, Wesley Snipes. Right. In the original, as best friends who basically hustle people as um, in basketball pickup games and then enter a tournament and because they're best friends and they win and there's also the whole Jeopardy subplot which I really like oh, okay. um, throw all of that what you know out the window <laughs> because this is completely different this is completely different um, besides the fact that the white man cannot jump besides the fact that he cannot jump because he uh, constantly has I forget is it either ankle or knee uh. are bad but he's trying to make it into the D League, but his knees are terrible. So, and his, um, so therefore, he like teaches other people how to play basketball. But not his co-star in this, no, because he is a phenom, like a high school phenom who got into a fight in a high school basketball game, and it de- completely derailed his oh. like career, like going to college. 
So now he's a high school grad who delivers packages, but is still really good at basketball. Okay. This is, of course, 10 years after him being in high school. So he's now like 26. Okay. Ish. 25, 26. Like, originally hailed as like the next great thing, but now, like, his life's all thrown into whack because Mm of one incident at a high school game. And for some reason, he never got his life back on track. Until Jack Harlow showed up. Of course. And said, yes, we can do this. We can be the best two-on-two basketball team, and we can win these tournaments. And it's all about just getting back up off the ground, picking yourself up when life seems low, and eating that horse because you're gymnastics. <laughs> um, and, of course, yes, it is a movie. They obviously do win the tournament. <laughs> it is a movie. Yep. It's a movie. You have to have the Hollywood ending, so they... Uh, win the tournament. And it'd be great if they just ended that. I'd be like, yeah, I can't still hoop. I don't have to take everything too seriously. But no. But no. The next 10 minutes gives you a one-year fast-forward. <laughs> and it completely ruins the movie. So, picture this. You <laughs> and your buddy win a two-on-three basketball tournament in Venice Beach. Huh. One year later... You are now a trainer for someone who was in the NBA. What? Remember, because you were training little kids to do basketball? Okay, but that doesn't... So now you're training... But... Now you're someone else's trainer in but... the NBA. But hold on, though. But but what? One year? Yeah, one year. One year? It just took you one year. <laughs> to go from being a kid's trainer, like a high school kid's trainer, uh-huh. to a professional athlete's trainer. One year. <laughs> and your buddy, meanwhile, in one year... Went from delivering packages and making money playing pickup basketball yeah, uh-huh. to going overseas, winning a championship, Oh, but then coming back, playing uh-huh. in the D-League sure. for the Lakers, and then getting a 10-day contract with said Lakers in one year. What? One year? In one year. What? Yes. What? That's how this movie ends. Jesus Christ. Talk about fast-forwarding. Five years, maybe. Yeah. No, no, one year. But I guess they got to do it because they're already, like, in their late 20s, right? Yeah, yes. So they had to fast-track it. Yes. It's like, these characters are too because old. He was, because the movie opens up with him being a, a high school phenom, like, the next big thing, and you fast-forward 10 years, you have to be within that 10-year mindset. So he's 25, 26. <laughs> By the time the movie starts. Right. <laughs> You only have to. You only can give them a year, or else they're going to be in their thirties. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Unbelievable! Wow. Otherwise, you get to like for love of the game territory, <laughs> <laughs> or then, Bull Durham. <laughs> then, they're, then they're just LeBron James at that point, and it's like, what? <laughs> oh yeah, no, you know, no one doesn't peak until they're twenty six, right? Sure. That's when they want you in the NBA when you're yeah. 26, 26, 27. So weird. Why don't they just age everything down? I don't know. Like, why didn't just age him back into, like, well, I'm going to go, like... Right. Like, I've been out of high school for a year. Right, exactly, yeah. I, I don't know where I'm doing with my life. And then, like, do pick up community college and then get a scholarship back to, like, UCLA. Yeah, that and would then make play sense, And like, right. the Wooden then Tournament. do the fast-forward and it makes sense. And then you do you the fast-forward and say, here I am at the Wooden Tournament right. in, uh, the, the Honda Center. Right. Saying, sure. like, I used to, like, pick up garbage outside. Yeah. And you pick up games down the street. Now I'm in the yeah. arena. It'd be easier to eat. To, to like to like that would be easier to make sense. Like, but they know they had to aim big. Yes, they had to go to to the uh, yeah. NBA in one year. <laughs> they had to. 
Well, otherwise, okay. So, so <laughs> as an adaptation of the original, it doesn't seem like it does that. And even no. as as an individual thing, it also seems very weird. It is fair enough. All right, so maybe maybe another skip for why you can't jump. I didn't expect it to be good, but wow, that ending just yeah. sank it to the bottom of the depths. Fair enough. So Jack Harlow, uh, maybe stick to your day job. Yes, don't quit. Of being music. a not that great rapper. Yes. <laughs> All right, thank you. That'll be it for the movie section, and that'll do it for the Media Boat Podcast. This Wait, week. I think we had a question come in. Did we? I think so. Okay, real quick. We'll oh, go ahead. Uh, do the wrap-up, and then we'll... Uh... All right, real quick. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week for another episode live on YouTube. If you want to see that, that's youtube.com. Search Media Boat Podcast, and you can find us there. Uh, next up, if you want to listen to the audio version of the podcast, we're on podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, anything like that. You can find us in your archives of this and special episodes as well. You can also find us on the internet, mediaboatpodcast.com. You can also find us on social media. On Twitter, we're at mediaboatcast. Facebook, search mediaboatpodcast. Email us if you have questions, such as this one, which came out, came in for us. Yes. Hey, guys, question for you. Lots of, lots of spinoffs have, have, have come out recently. For example, Better Call Saul, Rings of Power, every Star Wars spinoff. Now, I know you all are bigger fans of original content, but what spinoff would you be curious to see happen, whether that be video game, TV, or movie? I wouldn't mind a Mass Effect game where you play as Eris or as Archangel Persona while Shepard is dead, or maybe a fully fleshed out movie TV show on The Legend of the Deathly Hallows from Harry Potter. Thanks for all the news and discussion, boys. All right, quickly, what's your first thought when you think of a spinoff you'd like to see? Well, first off, I mean, let's go to the easy one here. <laughs> Lots of spinoffs in the Kingdom Hearts universe oh that you can God. play. Drink. Drink. <laughs> all right. Uh, but I do like all the, a lot of the spinoffs that they do. Not just the spinoffs, but uh, the Star Wars visions. Yeah. That they uh, recently did. Reimaginings. Reimaginings, more than just direct spinoffs. Um, if you want to go like direct spinoffs, um, Cheers mm -hmm. into Frasier. <laughs> it's kind of the easy one to think of. I, mean, I think the question is about ones that don't exist that you would like to oh, see that happen. Don't yes. exist. Would you be curious to see happen? Oh, that. Not ones we liked. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I was going to go to like the Clank series spinoff from the no, no. Clank series. Make up, make up one that oh, doesn't make exist. Make up one. That you would like okay. to see. Um, I want to see Jurassic Park prequel of how he was able to actually create the dinosaurs. Don't give me the mm -hmm. one line, we mix frog DNA with dino <laughs> DNA. Yeah. No, give me the actual like science right. and medical discoveries that resulted in the first dinosaur. I want to see find the amber. I want to see... Oh, no, they do. They, they find the amber, they yeah. find the mosquito, but then yeah. they immediately jump, jump to, to we have an amusement park now. Right. No, give me the, well, we're going to test on this dino and it's going to fail because we use snake DNA <laughs> instead of frog DNA. And then how to find the specific frog that DNA. That sounds incredibly boring, but you enjoy that. <laughs> no, see, you make it fun. You make it a medical-based like supernatural drama so the good doctor but dinosaurs yes that's your pitch yes right. fair enough um i mean my answer i feel like i would love 
I mean, the, the easy one for me is always, I would love more stuff in the Pokemon universe that's not about trainers. Mm -hmm. Like, tell me what's the day-to-day -day experience of people. I feel like Detective Pikachu is on the fringes of that, and they got very close to doing something like that. I want to see something like that go a step further. Like, what's a person's life in that world with Pokemon surrounding them? That's fascinating to me. I would love something like that. Um, video game-wise, um, I feel like I want to see something about, like, I don't know, like, Maybe like a slice of life, like kind of adventure game kind of stuff on the franchise that not necessarily in that direction. Like maybe take like a shooter and like tell me about like, oh, what's that person's life like? I always like that kind of visual novel storytelling. Put that in every franchise. Give me a Mass Effect visual novel. That's actually a perfect example, right? Like that would work well in a story, like to tell stories in that universe Give without having to be a shooter. Um, Moxie Borderlands, where like she's oh, works at a bar, right. and just people yeah. come in and just tell her her problems. That'd be great. Like that would be a way to do that without having to, you know, actually play through another Borderlands game. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, stuff like that. I think that that video games are built for that kind of flexibility, and we don't see enough of it. All right, I got a one that's off the wall here. All right, off the wall. Back to the Future. Okay. Back there. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I somehow, like, I do not believe that Doc Brown was the only person to work on the flux capacitor. He had the idea, <laughs> but he had to have told somebody uh -huh. outside of Marty McFly okay. what he was doing and like to get more inspiration and innovation into this thing. Maybe. So, he has a I'm going to go very Star Wars here, a secret apprentice. Oh boy. That for 30 years now this is just has fiction. been trying to You're just writing fan fiction. Exactly. Has been trying to recreate <laughs> Doc Brown's flux capacitor based off notes and now we are 30 years later he's finally done it he is now the Doc Brown to a new <laughs> Marty McFly let me tell you about a little website called Archive of, your, <laughs> of Our Own and you can go there and write this and make it a thing there's no shame in fan fiction I'm telling you, you don't use DeLorean though there's no, fan, there's no shame in it Yeah, you can write this I'm just saying that because if you use someone like of that time, like 20 years, like someone who was 20 mm -hmm, in the 80s, mm -hmm. by the time you get to now, uh -huh. they are the age that Doc Brown was then. Right. So, yeah. It's a pitch. I don't know. Show that to Zemeckis. See what this is. All right. That'll be it. Thank He's you. He'll just like us. kick me out of the uh, moving <laughs> Polar Express train and take it his own. Oh, God. Terrifying. <laughs> Lifeless Tom Hanks is there. He'll send me uh, to Mars where they need bombs. Yeah. Hopefully. All right, anyways, well, they didn't want you then. All right, <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. I already did the outro. Thanks for joining us. Bye. All right, we'll be back next week. Bye. <laughs>